0: Without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. you experienced
1: Stop right there.
0: The mountains of British Columbia to you listening around the world. This is Spaced Out Radio with host Dave Scott. You can follow us on our website, spacedoutradio.com, on iTunes, and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show.
2: Are you playing with Bigfoot and aliens again? Uh dad, you gotta stop haunting the goats. It's scaring them.
3: Alright, seriously, put down the pointy sticks. Okay! Game on! Game on! Game on! <laughs>
4: Word is all right,
0: all right, all right. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on spaced out radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff.
2: Seriously, Dave, really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? I am.
4: Colby.
5: Thank you, bye-bye. Okay, Please, please take your seat both here to, to the we
4: are it off. Okay, Start. Two. One. We And lift off.
3: Good evening and welcome to Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host Dave Scott kicking off another great week and it's good to have you along for the ride on this Monday, May 29th, Tuesday, May 30th if you're on the East Coast or across the pond. Hope you had a great day. We are live right here in the great white north in the heart of central British Columbia as we are here seven days a week. Let's welcome in everyone listening in on our terrestrial radio stations, WQEE 99 Rock the Key down at noon in Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are live as well on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. We're live on spacedoutradio.com, on Spreaker, KTLK, the Fringe FM, Renegade Talk Radio out of Las Vegas, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, and if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener, on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Hope you had your horns up because we were rocking to Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal formerly of Guns N' Roses currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot is the official sound of Spaced Out Radio. Now you can follow us all over social media you can give us a shout out on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like. Spaced Out Radio Show. On Instagram you can follow me at Dave Scott SOR Subscribe to our YouTube channel spaced out radio show tune us in on tune in download our shows from itunes we're also on RadioGuide.fm, talk stream live player.fm and stitcher our website is spacedoutradio.com and if you head over to patreon.com for as low as a dollar a month you can become a patron of sor now if you want to take part in this show you got to do me a favor Cause we don't take phone calls here, but we do take your questions from any of the chat rooms that I'm going to give you. Go to spacedoutradio.com, click on Listen Live, and sign up for a free chat room. We're on the Revolution Radio chat room, over on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, or maybe you're like Bob and Gail. And a few others. Seth, we'll include you in there as being part of the SOR Space Travelers Club. Or if you're on Twitter, be like Deb. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio, and I will get to your questions and comments in there as well. If you head to our website for just five bucks a month, you can become an SOR Space Traveler. And as of right now, we have the Spaced Out Radio Store. It's open 24 seven and pick up a t-shirt, poster, sticker. We're going to make Carl the alien candles as well. So if you want to burn up Carl, you can do that. We also have a news section called The Encounter Online I want you to check out, dealing with everything paranormal, strange, maybe a little political involved as well, courtesy of our editors Eric Markham and Everett Themer. You can check out my latest blog there as well. And if you've had an experience you can't explain, do me a favor. Fill out an SOR Sightlines report. We want to hear your experiences. It's time to bring back Butch Witkowski from UF4Cop.com for his monthly segment on Spaced Out Radio, what we call around these parts, Strange Days, which happens the final Monday of the month. Butch is a retired police officer and military veteran who, years ago, jumped both feet into the deep end of the paranormal pool. Aliens, cryptids, ghosts, you name it, he and his team are on the weird and strange experiences people are having. The experiences are out there. the experiences are happening. But why and what's causing these sightings and phenomena is still the mystery. A mystery that Butch still doesn't know if he will be able to solve, which keeps him going full time seven days a week. The idea that people are seeing Bigfoot or coming across dogmen or werewolves, or be it taken by aliens is something he wants to solve. The evidence is there. The evidence doesn't lie. And if it does, well, Butch and his team have the experience and the tens of thousands of dollars of equipment to prove or disprove any story. Sure, he becomes old hat when it comes to these subjects, but his no-nonsense approach to the paranormal keeps the fables in check and the experiences as clear as day. Butch Witkowski, I can't get any more dramatic than that. How are you, my friend? I I
4: was just gonna say that was pretty dramatic. I'm fine. How are you doing?
3: I am very good, butch I want to start off by sending the entire spaced out- radio family and listeners condolences to you and your family at the passing of your brother on the weekend we You mean a lot to this show, and for you to go through something like this is absolutely absolutely. You know, I don't even have the words for it, my friend. I've never had to experience something like that. But I want you to know that we love you around here, and I'm going to get everybody here, if you don't mind, to send you and your family a big prayer tonight, so that way you can feel the love from the SOR family to your family.
4: I appreciate that. Thank you very much.
3: Well... I, you know what, this is one of the rare episodes that you and I are doing, Butch, where <laughs> when we talked earlier, we actually forgot to figure out what the hell we're talking about tonight.
4: Oh, there's lots to go. Uh, we could start out with Chicago, Illinois, and the flying reptilians, and Batman, and Mothman, and everything but dragons they're seeing out there.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and we're going to get into that tonight, but I want to hit things off first. Okay. Uh, you used to be a part of MUFON Pennsylvania and work with John Ventry. John recently got his his mouth in hot water or his fingers in hot water regarding some very racial statements that he placed on Facebook. And I don't know if you feel comfortable in talking about that, or if you want to go down that road. But I'm just curious in regards to MUFON and what they are doing, because as far as I read last, they haven't suspended him, they haven't done anything. But I'm I'm curious what your thoughts are on this subject, because I know you of all people, as former part of Pennsylvania MUFON, would be following this.
4: Um, Well, I'm not going to go down the road too far, but what I'm going to say is... You know, there are many, many, many researchers and investigators in MUFON, both in Pennsylvania and other states, um, that uh, deserve more than what they got. And um, I don't want people to think that just because someone made some statements that were out of line that it should be held against anybody else in MUFON. They are a dedicated bunch. They work hard. I have some involvement with a few of them. Uh, They have always been considerate, uh, very hardworking, um, can't hold them responsible for higher-ups decisions. Uh, No more than when I worked for a Fortune 500 company, I um, could uh, blame the senior VP or the senior uh, whatever in any department. So I, I just hope people will just kind of think of it as okay somebody screwed up it got handled and um it's really up to the higher ups to take it wherever they're going to go with it but i, I saw some disparaging uh, remarks on twitter and on facebook and linkedin uh about move on members now that is not only uncalled for but it's just not fair um you know, uh, what people say or what people say, what people's feelings are or what their feelings are really doesn't reflect on the group in general. They are, again, like I said, uh, the ones I know and the ones I work with and the ones I continue to work with. They're very hardworking. They're honest. They're forthright. I mean, I, I just can't say enough about them. So um, this will go wherever it goes, and uh, I just want to make sure that people, when they're looking at this stuff they're not thinking that everybody that's a MUFON member, whether they're just a, a, a member uh, you know, that gets the journal or they're an investigator, or chief investigator, or state section director, or a state director, that they get all put into one nutshell and then they pretty much get hammered for something that they have no control over. And um I um it was it was very sad that, you know, The minute it came out, I mean, everybody started going right after MUFON. Look, MUFON's not perfect. No group is perfect. Uh, If we were all perfect, we would have had a lot of things solved many, many years ago. But I'm going to um, just let them handle it. It's their problem. Um, I'll keep sticking up for the MUFON membership because I truly believe that there are people in there that really put it all out to do what they're supposed to do, how they're supposed to do it, and to get it done and come up with some kind of an answer, good or bad or indifferent. And um, <clears throat> unfortunately, you're always going to have naysayers. I mean, MUFON could be 100% perfect. You'll still have a, a bunch out there that will say they suck. Um, we could do it 100%, and there will be somebody out there that says we suck. So that's just the, the way it is. But I, I'm I'm hoping that uh, with some of the changes that MUFON says they're going to make and, uh, you know, within their rules and regulations and stuff like that, that this will all be gone away with shortly, hopefully, and everybody can get back to work. Quit bitching and get out in the field.
3: <laughs> well, it's still a topic, though, that we do have to bring up because it does involve this field. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's unfortunate something like that happened. And, you know, it's sad, because you don't want to see that in any field. I mean, mm-hmm. let's let's face it, you know, there's a lot of political upheaval, and there's a lot of political unrest with a lot of people right now, and everybody is slinging names left, right, and center where you know we're trying to figure out you know what aliens are and where bigfoot is hiding and all that that's what we're trying to do in this field so in order to all of a sudden have this kind of black mark things do you think on the mufon side because they do have their majority of critics out there that this is something that they can they can survive without any inaction
4: uh, no, they're going to have to take some type of action, uh, uh, whether it's a rule change or, or how move um, um, on is presented by state directors and state section directors and investigators. Um, that's probably going to take place. Um, what was said was just, I mean, in my mind, it was just a wow, and um, but I, I just. Saw immediately that it went from that statement or statements to uh, attacking the people in the field, and in all the time i 've been involved with move on before and after I have never heard that before ever uh, nothing like that, nothing even close to that and uh it was surprising, a little shocking. Uh, but, uh, again, I, I think that if they don't do anything, they won't survive, but I'm, you know, for an outfit that big, I, I'm sure they're going to do something to rectify, uh, the way statements are made on, on the, uh, the Facebook and Twitter accounts and stuff like that of these people. Now, you know, again, they can't stop somebody from speaking what they want to speak about, but if they're doing it under the banner of, of the organization, I'm pretty sure they can take care of that. I mean, that can be stopped immediately.
3: And and really, that is the problem of social media today, because at what point do you say, I have my First Amendment rights in the United States to the freedom of speech, but you also wear a very public hat, and John has been a very large player in the MUFON organization with television shows with his research with books with being very highly outspoken on the on the talk shows and the and the paracon circuit you know i mean we're not talking about you know joe blow who started at mufon a year and a half ago because he saw a ufo when he was 12 we're talking about somebody who's a major player here
4: yeah and and that's the sad part of it um i mean if 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 that's the way he truly feels, then, you know, if he wants to go out and do that on social media under his own name, that's that's fine. There's nothing you can do about that. I mean, like you said, First Amendment rights, you can speak and say whatever you want to say. But uh, I guess where it gets or got bad was because it was said under, uh, like you said, he's a very well-known guy. I mean, he's not somebody who just popped up overnight. I mean, this guy's been around since I think 96 if i'm not mistaken and he's been state director uh, since 2007 maybe seven around there mm-hmm. oh he, he, he's well known i mean like you said television shows books uh conferences i mean you know there's nobody in Mufon at holds three conferences a year like this guy um i uh, i i understand they're very successful conferences uh mm-hmm. he always has uh, you know uh, top-notch speakers um But uh, I I think the thing that bothered me the most is, first of all, there is nothing that anybody's going to say now because the water's over the dam. Mm -hmm. The thing that really upset me the most was when people started uh, just bashing MUFON in general. Now, are there some legitimate gripes with MUFON? Yes, of course. Are there some legitimate gripes with just about any group out there? Yes, of course. Uh, You know, when I tell somebody their picture's no good or... or, uh, Um, it's not what they say it is. Uh, I just went from becoming the savior of the world to the biggest jerk in the world pretty much instantly. So um, that just comes with the territory. Hopefully, like I said, MUFON will get track of this. They'll change whatever they have to change to make sure Mm -hmm. it doesn't happen again. Uh, They're not going to stop anybody on their own personally doing it, but if they're attaching... The organization's name or their title, whether it's an investigator or chief investigator or, or just even a regular member, if they're mentioning MUFON's name, then you know uh, MUFON has to have in their rules a disclaimer that you can't do that. And um, I think that's going to happen. Uh, just a little bit that I've read about it. I've tried not to get involved in it. <clears throat> yeah.
0: Uh,
4: and I just, I just think it's going to happen. They'll make some changes. There'll be some. Uh, Uh, new rules and regulations on, you know, if you're going to speak, go ahead and speak. can't stop you from speaking, but don't do it under our banner. And that's a good thing.
3: Do you think, think, though, and and I'm really surprised that I don't know if it's got any public press down there. I know up here I didn't see it. When I when I went looking for it, I only saw basically it going around and it hit my groups and it hit my wall a couple of times or well, more than a couple of times. But you, did this get any public press down there? Because, you know, we're 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 so fringe and everything is so and everybody are so fickle already about what we do. Do you think that this, and I'm not trying to make a mountain out of the molehill here, Butch, but do you think this gave us more of a black eye, or are they just saying the weirdos
4: are acting up again? That's exactly what they're saying. The the weirdos are at it again. Uh, I didn't see anything major, you know, news or anything like that on it, but then again, I wasn't looking for it either. But, of course, the blogs and and websites, um, uh, they went nuts. Uh, The skeptical websites went berserk. Um, uh, I don't know if they lost any members there were some members that were on there said they were packing it in they were quitting or they weren't going to re-up next year or whatever the case is Um, I hope that the people that are involved with these uh, looking at these sites uh, whether it's the blogs or websites or whatever uh, give a little consideration to you know um, if you're a good investigator and somebody made a mistake and you're not part of it you know give it a second thought of why you would want to leave. You would surely want to stick around if you're happy with what you're doing. Um, and, again, we, there is no way anybody can uh, stand up and say, well, um, this guy said this or this guy said that, and I'm going to go after him, and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. That's fine. Do what you got to do. But another thing I noticed were, or was that a number of the people, on, especially on Twitter that were complaining are not MUFON members and um, are no friends of MUFON by any way, shape, or form or by any stretch of the imagination. And But as far as major stuff being picked up by newspapers or media, I haven't seen any of that. I even, haven't even heard of anything like that. So as an ex-MUFON member and um, a person that really thought that – or still thinks that, you know, basically they're a good organization – They just uh, need some cleaning up in certain areas, uh, you know, like cleaning the corners out or dusting off the shelves or whatever and um, get things back on track and uh, kind of put the the investigators that are out there doing the job and state directors, state senate directors, whatever, give them, you know, give them what to do. I mean, uh, this this to me, you know, it's set MUFON back. There's no doubt about that. I mean, I haven't no, I haven't seen anything in the last few days. Uh, although I've been a little busy and really haven't been looking, but I didn't see anything in the last few days. I'm not saying it blew over. By any stretch of your imagination, it's probably deeper now into the membership instead of being out in the public. So, once they get that all dealt with and cleaned up, and apologies are made or whatever they're going to do, um, and regulations may be changed. Um, my hope is that maybe, just maybe, move on I'll come out a little better through this than when it started.
3: Well, let's move on here because, you know, we do have some weird stories and strange days that have been going on. Now, you mentioned Chicago. I heard recently from Everett Themer from the Encounter Online here that Chicago has all of a sudden started having reports of Mothman showing up.
4: Well, they have reports of Mothman-type creatures. They have reports of Batman-type creatures. They have reports of flying reptilians. They have reports of uh, flying humanoids. Uh, If it's in the sky, uh, they got it. And it's all centered around... Uh, pretty much the general Chicago area and Cicero, Illinois area was the latest one uh, seen by a trucker who was getting loaded up at a at a bread company, and um, he saw it. A couple other people, I guess, saw it. Uh, and um, the descriptions are similar, but not alike. The very first one was a lady walking her dog into a in a park, and. Um, she saw a very tall shadow, which she either thought, first of all, was either a tree or a bush, but then it kind of stood up and turned around, and she could see, you know, the formation of wings. Um, some describe bat wings. Some describe wings like a dragon. Uh, some are describing l- large bird wings. Um Nobody's gotten any photographs yet. There are quite a number of researchers out there working on it. Uh, There's uh, a couple of really good ones that live right in that area that are on it. And um, all the reports are fairly fairly new. They only started a week or so ago. And um, so the information is still coming in. Uh, It's been seen over the water uh, I think twice Um, It's been seen on the ground. Uh, Some workers uh, that were taking a break at work or in the parking lot, smoke break, um, thought they saw what they described as an extremely large owl. And now, you know, when you you stop a second there, uh, an owl is a big bird. Um, You know, when they're standing up, I mean, people think owls like the little things they see on their shelf they have in the kitchen. Well, owls are a lot bigger than that, and when they open up their wings, they're, they're almost like eagle-sized. So what these folks are seeing, um, nobody has a, a finger on it yet, but um, one of the things that I was talking to a guy about the other day was the, the descriptions are not exactly the same. They're, they're different in size, shape, color, uh, wingspan, type of wing, uh, but these reports of this type of of a flying whatever it is, uh, flying entity, uh, have been recorded for a long, long time. They've been recorded in Western Pennsylvania. They've been recorded in um, uh, West Virginia, uh, Kentucky. Um, I think Upper New York State along the Canadian line. So, what they're seeing. Uh, Could be, you know, just mass misidentification, or it could be something that is new to the area, which at this point, I certainly don't need anything new. (laughs) Uh, We've got another uh, quadruped report uh, that matches one that we got back around uh, December, uh, which is totally different from the bipedal, and um, it is um, very large, uh, one lady, uh, with all the last reports, said that she was looking at something that weighed a couple hundred pounds and was almost eight foot long on all fours. Um, very large uh, wolf-looking creature. Um, and uh, we have the one back from December that almost describes the same thing. He didn't give us a length, but he gave us, you know, weight, very heavy weight of 100 to 150 pounds. Uh, wolf-like head, kind of a hyena-like mane behind the neck. Uh, This one described the same thing. So uh, I don't know what that is. Uh, Could it be just a large wolf? Absolutely, it could be. Um, But um, where they're being seen is kind of odd because wolves in Pennsylvania are mostly seen in northern Pennsylvania um, in the really heavily wooded areas, uh, they're not seen, you know, like down into more inhabited areas. Uh, and when you get from, especially in central Pennsylvania, uh, when or in eastern Pennsylvania, when you go north in this state, uh, the further north you go, the less population you have, and there's no big cities up there. These are they're all just little hamlets and towns, um, which is kind of weird because when you get to the south south central part of the country. of the the state, we have where we have the most Bigfoot reports. Although they're kind of scattered, there are some in that area, but very few. Uh, They mostly mass down in the uh, western and southwestern part of our state. Um, I don't know what these folks are seeing. Uh, We're scheduled, we were scheduled to go out this week, but the issue in the family came up, so. We'll be going out next weekend uh, on our third expedition, fourth expedition. And um, we're going to be heading up to where we had the first quadruped report, and then we'll be heading up to our research area, and then we're going to be heading over to the newest report we got to talk to the witness uh, and see exactly where and what she was seeing. But there's all kind of stuff going on, and it's not just in Pennsylvania. It's all over the country. Uh, Bigfoot reports out in northern California. you got skunk reports down, uh, skunk ape reports down in Florida, Um, large snakes. Uh, uh, What was it this morning? Somebody uh, uh, down in Georgia, I believe it was, went to take a dive into the pool this morning. The only problem with that was they had i I'm sorry, it was North Carolina. They took a dive into the, went to take a dive in the pool this morning to cool off. And uh, unfortunately, there was a nine or ten foot alligator sitting in there waiting for them. So, I, I don't know what's got all this stuff on the move, and I really don't even know what it is. I mean, the bipedal canine, we pretty much got that down to every description is the same. Everybody says the same thing. It's seen in certain areas and uh, not in others. Uh, these two um, quadruped reports—they're uh, uh, as the crow flies—they're approximately 65 miles apart. Could it be the same one? It's possible, but the first time it was seen, there were two of them seen. So is there more than one, and how many of them are there? Um, it's uh, very strange right now. Uh, I've been down to the farm where we saw the distortions. Uh, they're still there. They've moved from the roof of the barn, uh, the chicken barn, over to the dirt mound. Um, I've pretty much got in the back of my head that they've been there for a very, very long time. And they're not leaving, and they are indigenous, uh, or attached to the indigenous somehow.
3: How do you believe what people are telling you? There's a lot of funky stories out there, Butch. And I know we've discussed this before in the past, but in reality, some of these stories seem to be getting so far-fetched that how are you able to crack the code on whether or not they're real or fake? Well,
4: one of the very first things is, you know, if you're just going to talk to them by phone or you're just going to talk or, you know, send them an email or do that kind of stuff, you're not going to get anywhere. You need to go talk to the person face-to-face, where it happened, on the same spot, does what they tell you on the scene match what they told you in the report, Um, you know, looking at them, talking to them, you know, their demeanor. I mean, when you get a full-grown man crying, pretty much, and shaking when he's telling you a story about something he saw that he can't identify, I tend to believe that guy. When I get another person who's describing, you know, something really, let's say, fantastic that happened, but there's jokes being intertwined with it and laughter and, you know, maybe I didn't see what I saw, and, you know, pretty soon you're starting to put together that this guy's full of crap. And, or he just, where he described it happening, there's no way it could have happened that way. You know, he said, well, there's a hill that's very close and you're looking at the, and it's a mountain that's maybe 30, 40 miles away. Or, or he said he's right along the woodland, but the closest woodland to where he was standing is, you know, like 10 miles down the road. There's no way he would see that. So there are little things, but the ones that always have gotten me and have always turned out to be pretty much what I would say valid reports are the ones where the person that's making that report to you face-to-face can barely get it out you don't have to ask them any questions all you got to do is okay, just tell me what happened and they're almost r- verbatim of what they wrote to you maybe three or four or five months ago and um, the the tricksters the hoaxers, they're pretty easy to figure out you know you uh, know was just like when I used to have to ride a traffic ticket and somebody would say to me, well, you know, I said, did you see the speed sign? And they say, yeah, I saw the speed sign, but I didn't see you. You know, <laughs> so uh, some of the stories are fantastic. Um, I don't shy away from them, but I always take them with a grain of salt, and I'm I'm a little more inquisitive when I look at those or when I'm talking to somebody about those. And then there's those the ones that you get that you know you're looking at them and you're scratching your head going like is this possible? And then you get there and you're talking to the folks, and or the, if it's multi witness, more than one person, and everything they're telling you is like, just like they told it to you in the first time they contacted you. Not nothing's out of place. Everything they said as it is. Like here's the house, here's the driveway, there's the pond, there's the tree, this is that. And, I mean everything is where it's supposed to be. And they don't hesitate. They don't have to think about it. I mean, they relive it, and and that's what I've always chalked up as being a pretty good report.
3: It's so easy to tell the fear or the anxiousness in someone's eyes, and with yeah. their hand, and with their hands as
4: well. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. When you got, like I said, when you got a full-grown man telling you a story that happened months and months and months before we even got to talk to him. I mean. He was on the list, but so many things came up in the meantime that we had to work our way down to his area to get to talk to him and his, and his buddy, uh, who was the other witness. And when we talked to these guys, and, you know, basically it's just, okay, start from scratch. What happened that night? And these guys are full-grown men. I mean, the one guy's a big dude. I mean, I wouldn't take him on without a baseball bat and his back turned to me. He was shaking like a leaf. Tears welling up in his eyes, stuttering, um, and, and you know he had said something in the ver- in the report the very first time I read it, and it stuck me. And I just looked at him when he was kind of calmed down a little bit, and I said, "So, what exactly do you think you saw?" And he says, "I know what I saw." He said, "I saw a werewolf." He said, "I don't care what you call it or what the technical term for it was." But I'm telling you, I saw a werewolf. I said, did it have clothes on? He said, no clothing. And he described the whole creature just like everybody else has. And then he had to sit down in my truck. He, he couldn't even stand up. So, you know, when you encounter a witness like that, you're dealing with somebody that really had an experience that they went through, they can't explain, uh... They're not trying to hide it. They're just telling you exactly what went down, what they saw, what they thought, and now they're throwing it in your lap and saying, okay, go get them. And that's, that's the way it is. Uh, on the other hand, uh, one of the reports we got, which uh, I blew off as a hoax, is we got there and um, wanted to talk to the gentleman that actually saw what he, saw, what he reported he saw. And I've got family members standing there telling me that they can call in Bigfoot anytime they want. Uh, they're psychics. They're uh, empaths. Um, they know exactly where they hide, what they do, uh, where they live, what they eat. And, you know, at that point, you know, you just wrote off the whole thing. You listened to the whole story, and we did spend four or five hours there. But it didn't stop. I mean, they were making stuff up as they were going along. But, um I didn't know of or never heard of a Bigfoot whisperer. So when that started, uh, you know, I kind of looked at my other investigator, and I separated the one the guy who made the original report from the people that were now going off the deep end. And um, he got a totally different story. He got the story that he was told the first time, or we were told the first time. When he got back into the group, they were changing the story, and then he was agreeing with them. So I thought, okay, this is a waste of time. Well, thanked them politely and, you know, said we'll keep the report open and got back in the truck and got a half a mile down the road. I stopped and looked at my investigator and I said, what do you think? And he just looked at me and went like, Bull crap." I said, yep, yeah, that's kind of what I figure. Because nothing matched uh, where it took place, uh, where it ran, uh, where it hid. Uh, they were taking us in a different direction from where it went. Um, they were talking about a mine shaft. Well, there's no mine shaft. There's just an indentation in the woods, you know, like uh, a, a tree might have died many, many years ago, and it's just a a, a one-foot-deep slump of, of dirt, uh, which they're trying to tell us is a mine shaft. And, and then we did look at that when we got back, because we have maps of the mines here in Pennsylvania, and there's no mine that was ever in that area. So out of all the reports we got, you know, we, we pulled one out that was pretty much, you know, um, in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs> Do you ever
3: get close in your investigations? And what I'm saying by that is, if somebody calls you up, what's the closest you get? Are, are people usually waiting months and months, or uh, until they have they're at wit's end and they don't know who to call, or are they waiting an hour to two hours? Like, how does that work? How close are you getting, Butch? Uh,
4: the reports that we've gotten on, that, on the bipedal canine were pretty, with the exception of the first one, which was, I think, two weeks before the guy called. Um, I'm sorry, the second one was two weeks. The first guy, he called the same day. Um, the reports after that were, we had two. Uh, the one lady was about six months till she actually found out where I was going to be at a conference and she came to that conference to make a report. And the other gentleman, uh, actually went through, uh, Lon Strickler, uh, at Phantoms and Monsters who called me and gave me the report. And then we took it from there, but it's, um, usually it's pretty quick, um, We've had reports of, of different things, especially Bigfoot and, and um, um, unexplainable type creatures that, uh, you know, happened or, or, you know, the person's relating to me the story, but, you know, they, were, they were might have been 15 or 16 years old when it happened. They're now in their 40s or 50s. Uh, and those reports are interesting uh, because at least I can take that report and I can start to look back and see if there are any other reports in that area. Uh, that might have been, you know, put into a database somewhere, and sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not. But I keep them open because you, you know, I never, you know, I just never know. I, I don't know when I have something like I don't know if I'm holding a piece of gold in this hand or a rock in the other, and I'm I'm very leery to let either one of them go because I don't know, and. Uh, the people that contact you uh, when something traumatic happens, whether it's a Bigfoot experience or uh, a strange creature or uh, something paranormal uh, or a UFO in the sky, uh, it's, um, you can tell they want help and they want to understand what they saw, and that's our job to try to help them figure out what they did see, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, I've walked away from people and just after they said, do you believe it? And I'm going like, well, I'm not going to say I do, and I'm not going to say I don't because I didn't see it. But uh, there are other reports of what you saw that I'm aware of, and you know I'll I'll leave it at that. And then I have people that call back all the time. Did we have anything in the area? Or uh, uh, they may have come across something or somebody told them a story. And they'll throw it back to us and say, this has nothing to do with my report, but, you know, I was at dinner with these folks and we started talking about this and somebody else, you know, overheard the conversation. They relayed this information. It's a few miles away from where my sighting was, but I just thought I'd pass it along to you. And they'll give us the name and the information and we'll get a hold of that person. And that's how you really put a case together. You know, you start out with very little and then you go from there and, you know, uh, build on it. Uh, with other reports and background research of the of the land or the property or the past, and uh, eventually you'll come to some kind of conclusion.
3: Do the people who are experiencing this are they new to this type of activity, or have they been experiencers of UFOs aliens or or ghostly creatures?
4: No, everyone that we've gotten, um, with the exception of all these, all this time now uh, with four Cup since '09, I think I could probably point to that were prior experiencers. Uh, the other people are just—I mean—they run the whole gamut: nurses, lawyers, garage mechanics, um, hikers. Uh, Boy Scouts, uh, Boy Scout leaders, uh, truck drivers. I, I mean, it, it, it's just, they're not the dyed-in-the-wool um, ufologist or cryptozoologist or paranormal ghost chaser. Uh, pretty much when they're talking to you, they don't even have, you can't say anything technical to them because they won't have any idea what you're talking about, you know. Uh, like if I start talking about a flight path. Of, of, a, of, a, of a craft in the sky. They'll go like, well, what do you mean flight path? You know, or um, horizon drop or, or weather. I, I mean, there's just so many things you can ask them that you know they're lost because they've never seen anything like it. And usually those people uh, that give us a, a, what we call a good report, uh, if we get any call back from them at all, After a while, it's, have you seen anything or heard anything on my case? Uh, They're not calling to tell you they saw it again. But when I get somebody that calls me five or six times in two weeks telling me they're seeing the same thing, same thing, same thing, same thing, and I'm within walking distance of that location, and I got binoculars in my hand or a thermal device, and I don't see anything, and they're telling me it's hovering over this certain area, and I can almost spit on that area, and then I know I'm being fooled. I can very much
3: understand that. How close, when you get there, are you seeing evidence? And what do you do when you see that evidence? Like, what are you looking for? Because somebody like me would not know what to look for. I Yes, I would have my eyes on the ground looking for any footprints. That's only obvious. But as a trained professional, what are you looking for?
4: Well, one of the things you want to look for first is has everything that they told you been verified now that you're standing there? Is there a trail? Is there a, a building? Is there a mountain? Are there trees? Uh, you know, do they have an unobstructed view of, of what they say they saw? I mean, if, you know, if you're looking, if somebody says they saw, look, I'm just going to use this now. They see a Bigfoot and it's on this trail and you're standing there and they say, this is exactly where I was and it was right over there and you're looking through mulberry bushes or a bunch of crop overgrowth that you can't see 10 feet through, but they're describing this thing from head to toe, you know they didn't see what they think they saw. So one of the very first things is to acclimate, the investigator has to acclimate himself to putting himself in their shoes to see exactly what they are looking at. And then where was this, creature where where did you see this what where's this big tree you talked about uh and and then they're pointing to a tree that's in the opposite direction you know hundreds on hundreds of yards away and look people's eyesight is not that good i don't care if you got 20 20 when you're in the woods anything can run by you and you're going to think oh my god it's bigfoot i mean a bear a good-sized deer an elk anything but When somebody, you get to the scene and you're standing there and it looks exactly like they described it, you don't have to ask any questions. You're saying, okay, so here's where you were standing and here's where your brother was and there's the trail. Now, where on the trail did you see this? And he says, if you count four trees to your left, there's a little clearing. Can you see the clearing? And I'll go, yeah, I can see the clearing. He says, right there is where I saw what I saw. And at that point, you pretty much got a good feeling anyway that you know you're not being screwed off that somebody did see something what they saw is another story but they did see something um but the another one that's a, a real game thrower is when uh you get to the scene and you you drive out in the middle of wherever you're gone and they say well I don't really remember where I was but it was around here somewhere look if I see bigfoot personally speaking I will have a marble marker erected on that spot by daylight. Uh, I would not forget where I was or what I did or what I saw or the distances. So when somebody, you get somebody on the scene and they don't remember anything all of a sudden, but they gave you this great report three days ago. Now they don't remember anything and they basically don't even know where they're at. That's another telltale sign. You know, you're just wasting your time. But the folks that uh, go out there and they 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 know where they were, they know what they saw. Again, not knowing what they saw exactly, but uh, it's just like uh, people with uh, you know the paranormal stuff. You know, they hear knocking on the wall, and you out of the you know you let them do their thing, and then you say, well, have you had any electrical work done in the house? Oh yeah, we had that done about three months ago. Well, when did this knocking start? Well, oh, about three months ago. And then you know get a gauge out of the truck uh, device plug it into the wall and you find out that the hots and neutrals are switched <laughs> and it's slapping against the wall so there, there's some easy things that you can do but most of the time it's tenacious that gets it done you've got to uh, just keep asking the questions and uh, hoping that you know they're not you know giving you a some story that they just cooked up overnight over the bar at the bar with the boys. Um, I've had very few hoax reports in all my time. Um, I don't know if that's just my demeanor of I'm the guy that will call you out if you do or um, people just think that I really will try to help them, which I hope they do and um we've explained some things to people uh bolides meteors uh where we had the proof that they had a meteor shower or or uh uh, sun sun dogs or stuff like that or they have a camera issue and we'll show them what not to do with their camera uh most people when they take pictures of anything in the sky at night use a flash that's the last thing you want to use ever under any circumstance um, when we tell them about using a tripod, if they're going to be looking for Bigfoot, you know, if you're carrying that camera, carry a tripod. They're not that expensive. You can get them at Staples for twelve, fifteen bucks. They're not that heavy. They're they're aluminum. They're they're lightweight. Uh, if you have a certain research area that you're going to work, work the research area. Don't go trumps in five miles in either direction. You picked out your spot. This is where you think you saw something. This is where you want to research. You want to look on the ground. You want to look for, you know, the different points. Same thing if you're doing ghost hunting. You know, you want to have cameras in every room. You don't want everybody stomping around all through the house. You don't want 25 people on a team. Uh, That just kills me because I see some of these people when they go out. We take very small teams, four to six at the most, and um, everybody knows their place. Everybody knows where everybody is and what they're doing. Uh, But when you get, like, I've seen some teams, uh, especially out west, where they'll get, you know, 15, 20 people on a Bigfoot hunt. They're bumping into each other, and uh, everybody's walking around making noise. I learned a long time ago, it's better to sit and be quiet than it is to walk all through the woods in, at night, you know, so hopefully, <coughs> excuse me, uh we keep getting the type of people that make the reports to us and the uh storytellers kinda go by the wayside, you know, if it's a good story put it on Facebook. <laughs>
3: For sure. We, we only got a couple minutes here before we got to hop out for our first break of the night. And I want to get to a question from Canadian Joe on Twitter at hashtag Spaced Out Radio. He is asking, Butch, have you ever heard any reports of dog, man, or werewolves harming or killing humans?
4: Uh, Yes, as a matter of fact, they have. Would he like that now or will he wait till after the break?
3: Well, you know what? Let's get started on it, because we're too uh, far away from just making it a tease.
4: Okay. In 1977, uh, in uh, uh, Virginia, um, a uh, gentleman related a story. Uh, He was a young lad at the time, uh, in his early teens, uh, living with his grandfather, mother, grandmother, on a farm. And uh, he was staying over the weekend at their farm. And his grandfather was acting kind of weird and sitting at the window, and he had a weapon with him outside uh, of the window. And when asked what he was doing, what he was looking for, he said, you don't want to know, just, just go about your business, never mind. And he just sat there, sat there. And then um, he'd shut the window, and he'd go back, and he'd tell the kid about there are things out there you don't want to know about. Uh, it's not good, blah, blah, blah. Next thing you know, the window's open again a little bit. And he's got the gun sticking out the window, and he's got lights going on outside the house. And and then he shuts it. Next thing you know, this whatever it was, wolf-looking type thing, uh, was at the window. He saw it. The grandmother saw it, grabbed the kid, kind of got him away from the window. Uh, the old man, you know, kind of went out and startled it and took a couple shots at it. It disappeared into the brush. Um, this happened a couple times, like three times, I believe. And then um, the the boy and the grandmother, uh, a couple weeks later, uh, again, the boy was staying on the weekend because he lived close and uh, went into town with his grandmother to pick up some stuff. And when they came back, they were looking for granddad. They couldn't find granddad. And uh, uh, the grandmother walked into the barn, and there laid granddad dead as a snail, um, pretty tore up. Uh, police were called, and they just said he was attacked by a wild animal.
3: That's harsh. And you got that in right before we got to go to break. Good for there you. you. Go. Good for you. I'm impressed. You you had your timing on.
4: <laughs> You're killing me, Dave.
3: <laughs> well, we're using that word very profusely tonight coming off of that story. That's for sure.
4: That's <laughs> I'll, for give sure. You I'll give you another one when we come back.
3: Now, that's the tease, Butch. That is the tease right there. Butch Witkowski's Strange Days happens the first Monday, or make that the final Monday of every month. Butch's next appearance on this show will be on Monday, June 26th. The weeks seem to go by so quickly, and boom, Butch will be here again. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. We'll be back right after this. Coming September 29th to October 1st, the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon. Hi, this is Dave Scott. The event will be held at the Spruce Hills Spawn Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Come join us for an amazing weekend of speakers talking all things paranormal UFOs, ghosts, aliens, Sasquatch, intuitiveness. Listen to great speakers like Miriam Delicato, Samantha Mowat, and the crypto guru Ronald Murphy. Get your VIP passes by going to spacedoutradio.com and clicking on the Paracon banner. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you.
5: From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, they're closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them.
2: Would you like to become one of our space travelers? All you have to do is click on the space travelers icon at SpacedOutRadio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes, as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members only section on our website. Become a space traveler today.
6: It's paranormal news at its finest. Welcome to The Encounter. At SpaceOutRadio.com, The Encounter, online, is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to SpaceOutRadio.com and encounter The Encounter.
1: Visit purpleplates.com today. For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle.
7: Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There. You will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media. Have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details.
2: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
5: From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at spacedoutradio.com where I, Vincent Zunza and my super sleuth partner Alexandra Sullivan track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest, from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. Oh, there's only
1: one
2: way to walk. loud and proud. In high definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas
8: every saturday and sunday night as dave scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness you can come hang out with me james tyson and spaced out weekend we're starting at 9 p.m pacific midnight eastern i'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us so sit down relax put your feet up enjoy the topics like the paranormal supernatural intuitiveness and so much more hope to see you there
2: don't have time to listen to spaced out radio live wherever you are the car the office the shower or even if you're traveling we're right here for you each spaced out radio show can be found on itunes TuneIn, and on our youtube channel spaced out radio show it's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows for more information just head over to our website spacedoutradio.com and tune in to us today
0: Views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to SpacedOutRadio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag SpacedOutRadio. Now back to Dave Scott and
3: SOR. I uh, you gotta love Bumblefoot cranking in the background. Tomorrow night on Spaced Out Radio, MG8 Bandias will be with us. MJ Bandias, we're gonna be talking UFOs over Canada. It's gonna be a great show because you know me, I love my UFO talk. 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern Time at SpaceOutRadio.com. Hey, we want to welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in in Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. Appreciate you taking the time to tune us in. We're also live on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Thanks so much. ...for being with us as well. We are live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio. We're also live on KTLK, The Fringe FM. And if you're listening in on Revolution Radio... ...remember, the Double R Machine is a donation station... ...financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight... ...in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Vicambulate. Vicambulate is your password... Make sure you use it wisely, space travelers, as Bill sets the password each and every night, right here on the Mighty S O R. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio if you want to connect with me live during the show as well. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. You can tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on TalkStream Live, player.fm radioguide.fm, and Stitcher, our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you. Yes, a plethora of features, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for 5 bucks a month. You can buy yourself a Space Out Radio t-shirt at our new SOR store, or if you're looking for something to read, check out the encounter online put together by our editors, Everett Themer and Eric Markham. Tonight, it is Strange Days, the final Monday of every month with Butch Witkowski from UF4Cop.com. Butch, welcome back. I'm here, ready to go. Now, right before the break, you were asked a question in regards to whether or not dogman or werewolves had been reported in killing anybody. You mentioned one, you said you had another story for us.
4: Okay, the other one is, the only other one that we ever found was, uh, at first it was uh, attributed in the original reports as a Bigfoot. And then uh, the reports over a period of some years changed. And this was two trappers um, up in uh, the northern, uh, western part of the country, uh, fur trappers who had set up camp. Went out, one guy went out to check his traps. The other guy stayed there to make supper and take care of the dogs. And, uh, when the gentleman gets back from checking the traps, uh, his, uh, partner is pretty much ripped to shreds, uh, four or five of the dogs are mortally wounded, a couple are slightly wounded, um, and, uh, as he's trying to do what he has to do at the moment, nothing for his partner, but for the dogs, uh, which a couple of them he had to put down immediately because they were missing parts. Uh, And he got the other dog secured, he turned around, and what he described, standing in the bushes not too awful far away, uh, like 50 yards or less, was a a large uh, wolf that was standing on its back legs.
3: Wow, that's eerie, man. That is eerie.
4: And he loaded the, uh, wounded dogs into the, uh, the camp was totally destroyed. Uh, he loaded the wounded dogs into the canoe, uh, got down river, uh, got the police. They went up, uh, retrieved the body and the, and the dogs. And, and, um, the, um, cause of death was, uh, he was mauled to death. Right. A bear would, a bear wouldn't maul you to death. A bear would eat you. Um... Uh, So uh, this guy wasn't eaten. He was just ripped apart.
3: That is insanely scary. Insanely Mm. scary. I got some questions coming from the audience here. And Shar made a comment here, but I'm going to use it as a question. Do you believe that many of these creatures that people are seeing could be some sort of government genetic experimentation gone bad?
4: Um... Uh, yeah, well, yes, um, and and I, I, I will relate uh, two stories to that. One was uh, some Bigfoot researchers that, that I know very well uh, were in their research area. It was very dark. It was that night. It was over a weekend, and they're walking down a trail, and out from the corner of the trail, uh, one side of the trail, comes a, a, a military guy dressed in full combat gear, night vision glasses, radio, uh... and m4 rifle uh... you know and he sees them and they see him and it's kinda like they go well hello and he goes like uh... yeah hi i'm uh... just out hunting bear and turns around and disappears back into the woods uh... first of all you can't hunt bear with a, a full automatic rifle in the state of pennsylvania neither would anybody be wearing night vision goggles radios and all that other equipment that he had on him and uh... Not far from that area is a location that at one time was a uh, a nuclear plant uh, that was developing engines, nuclear engines for small aircraft, but was closed back in the late 90s, uh, 98, 99, if I recall, and um, uh, people more than in more than one instance have said that they've run into military guys in full combat gear there are no military installations in that total area of a couple hundred miles and um and why would he be alone and uh the other one is uh happened down in maryland uh where a um it was actually a, a factory that was converted into a laundromat for uh, a local county prison. So all the uh, sheets and pillows and all the stuff that had to be clothing, had to be washed, was taken to this laundry. And the laundry, of course, had these huge gates and, and, and barbed wire and fencing all the way around it. And a driver who was making a delivery uh, backed up to the dock, uh, got his way inside, and was walking around looking for somebody to tell him he was there to make a delivery. He couldn't find anybody right away. And uh, he just was staring at a door that didn't look right to him. And um, when he describes what he was looking at, he said it looked like there was something inside trying to get out. And it was a steel door, and he said it was all beat to hell. And while he was looking at it, a guard walked up and said, What are you doing here? And uh, he said, I'm here to make a delivery. And he said, What do you got in there? And he said, it's none of your business. Let's go get your load and unloaded him and send him on his way. Uh, that building originally was a government property.
3: Hmm. Interesting. That's quite the tie-in. Hmm. Is that just coincidence?
4: I don't think so. Uh, look, uh, Russians messed with this stuff. Germans messed during the war. Messed with this stuff. Uh, I'm sure we've messed with this stuff as far as you know, creating the super soldier um, or the uh, uh, the combat personnel that were pretty much indestructible. Or who knows? I mean, you'll never know it. But would I put it past them? No, not really. Wow.
3: Okay. Let's move on to another question here. This one comes from Pandora. She says. Butch, if you ever find proof of these creatures, what do you plan on doing? Do you tell the scientists or keep your knowledge a secret so they won't kill it and experiment on it?
4: <clears throat> well, probably the only thing we're going to be able to do is uh, get photographs of it or some type of evidence that it exists. And that could be anything from footprints to a hiding place or but most likely it's going to be some type of photographic evidence, whether it's um, digital cameras or surveillance cameras or um, infrared cameras or uh, floor devices, uh, heat-seeking, uh, thermal imaging. Um, with that proof in hand, you can always take it to wherever you need to take it at that point, whether it's a biological lab or... Or, or the authorities or, or whoever. Um, then again, you know, we may present the evidence and be politely told to shut up and go away. <laughs> but um, I, I we'll be very careful where the evidence goes, and I don't think that we would ever give up the location for any circumstance. Um, I'm not into writing books, or papers or anything like that that would expose something like that. It might increase our research area, but uh, and but as far as making a big deal out of it, you know, going on television or something like that, that's not going to happen um, because we don't know what it is, and if it doesn't hurt anybody, uh, you know, we're not out to hurt it either. We just want to go out and prove it's there, and um It's just like, you know, when people are hunting Bigfoot, they say, well, the only way you're going to know is if you kill one. Well, pretty much the only way you're going to know is even if you can find one, that's number one. Number two, if you can photograph it, that's, you know, or it's such a multi um, number of people that see something at the same time. and, And there's all kind of scenarios as to how to get it, but it's going to be dumb luck. It's going to be, we're going to have the cameras all set up in the right spots at the right time. And uh, the evidence will be right there. Maybe we won't ever see it. The cameras will, but maybe we won't. And that's another thing. So you spend all this time, effort, and energy and money going out there looking for this thing. And you don't get to really see it. But, you know, you have it on film or you have it on thermal imaging. And nothing hides from thermal imaging. I don't care what it is. If it's there, it's there. And, uh, and then just take it to somebody and say, okay, now you explain to me what I just saw or what the camera just took and take it from there. It's hard to say, but that's kind of the way I think it's going to work out. It's going to be something that's caught on, on one of the cameras, one of the sophisticated cameras that's going to nail it because the only thing we got is technology. I'm not going to go run through the woods chasing this thing. I don't even know where would I start in 68,000 acres. That's number one. And number two, I'm too old for that crap. So I'm just going to sit there and let the technology do the work. But on its side, it has stealth. So now, can it appear and not appear? Can it um, materialize itself and dematerialize itself? Is it flesh and blood? Is it not flesh and blood? Don't know that yet.
3: Let's get to a question from Gail here. Gail is asking... When you can see that people are not telling the truth, do you tell them they are full of nonsense?
4: No. I. I that, that's just, you know, I just take what they say. I write down, it'll be discussed between myself and the investigator that's with me or investigators that are with me. And that's as far as we go with it. I'm, I'm not going to stand there and, you know, get in an argument of, yeah, well, I'm telling you the truth and you're calling me a liar and blah. I'm not going to do that. That's just a waste of time, effort, and energy um they'll know pretty much by my questioning or maybe the look on my face that i know they're full of it but uh no i don't i don't antagonize anybody i just let it go at that take the information and go on my way well
3: let's get into sasquatch and bigfoot and a lot of these other creatures how come we rarely ever hear reports of hearing these creatures coming into contact with each other and maybe brawling it out for territory or food or something along those lines?
4: You know, I've been asked that question, I'll bet you a hundred times already, like is a Bigfoot and this bipedal, are they enemies? I mean, I I don't know that. I mean, there's no way I would know that. Unless, you know, I found one of them limping out of the woods with crutches and his hand in the cast or something. I don't know. Uh, could they be territorial? Um, yeah, I guess they could be, but one of the things that always intrigued me, even when we started setting up our research areas and started, you know, putting everything on an interactive map where we saw every report, the Bigfoot sightings, mainly are in southwestern uh, corner of Pennsylvania and going up along the Ohio border and into Ohio, where the bipedal canine reports are pretty much south-central to north-central uh, in kind of a northwesterly direction. And um, we don't have, a you know, like a Bigfoot report here and a bipedal report there. No, it's just not there. Matter of fact, when we tried to do that and place the Bigfoot reports into that research area, what we call the lichen loop, uh, they were non-existent. Uh, we found one or two way back, and when I say way back, I mean way back in time, uh, where somebody just said, well, you know, a very large, hairy man. Well, that could be a Bigfoot or that could be a bipedal. But as far as the two of them going at each other, um, haven't had any reports like that um haven't found any reports like that we haven't found any reports where they're in the same neighborhood
3: let's get to a question from ron ron is asking butch have you ever investigated anything that is made you keep a secret due to the connection that was made
4: uh yeah twice
3: want to share your secret (laughs)
4: <laughs> uh not right at this moment <laughs> Let, let's just put it this way um, a case that we worked on and are still working on uh was leading us in one direction and if it had not been for and totally out of the out of the blue uh contact that was made uh to me by email and then a phone conversation following um uh, by a very reputable individual. Uh, it would have been something that I didn't know, was never reported, but had a lot to do with the case. And uh, eventually it will come out. Uh, but right at the moment, I probably about as much as I want to go with it. And then the other one was, uh, or is, an active case also, where um, something was seen, uh, but the description was kind of, bass backwards if you follow me it didn't make any sense and then uh, again that was uh, almost a year and a half later uh, I got a contact and I guess somebody read about the report on our on our website or something that was an open report and they said um, yeah they needed a phone call and I made the phone call and was talking to the gentleman and he said, uh, everything I was doing was proper, but I was looking in the wrong place. And I said, well, what makes you say that? He said, because I saw it too. And I said, okay, so where should I be looking? He said, you're looking at the wrong mountain. And he said, if you go to this location and you go up this certain road, uh, you're going to be really shocked what you see. And I did that, and I was shocked what I saw. And. Um, it's definitely not a commercial endeavor that I saw, and um, uh, it's in the deep woods, and it really doesn't belong there, but it is there. Uh, so I grabbed a quick few photographs and got my ass out of there before you know somebody came up on me. Because when I was there, uh, as I was walking toward one section of this this place, I saw a red light flashing. So I don't know if it was taking pictures or if it was just me setting off some type of a, a, a trespasser alarm. So I got out of there in good health, and um, but that's another one that'll eventually come out, and there won't be any denying it because I have the photographs, and they are good photographs. Right. That's the only, that's the only two times I can really say that, you know, I found something that I wouldn't talk about.
3: Right. No, I I can understand that. And, you know, we all have our experiences that, you know, we just can't give up. I mean, there's certain things that happened in my radio career. When somebody goes off the record, you you just can't go with that. There's certain information you need to hold tight just for further confirmation. And that's fair. And that is something that I would personally do as well. But when it comes to these creatures... How do we get good information out if everybody thinks that what is released is CGI, is good animation, maybe bad animation? If you consider that everything is blurry all the time, whether it's video or photograph, you know, Mm -hmm. what would be considered good information in your personal opinion? Then let's say if you're looking on the outside, like 99% of us are.
4: Well, one of the things that always struck me even very early on when I got involved in all of this was the fact that, uh, you know, there were very, very few photographs of UFOs that were good. Most of them were blurry or they were too far away to be identified or they were just a spot in the sky. And then um, I was talking to an, a very old-time researcher one time at a conference And he was the one that kind of set me straight on photographs and stuff. He says, look, he says, don't rely on your eye or let the camera do its work. And he said, the more cameras, the better. The better cameras, the better chance you have of getting something good. And, of course, using a bipod and tripods and all this stuff. And uh, I followed his advice. And we were out on a star watch one time, a couple investigators myself. And we got some great pictures. I mean, really good stuff. And we didn't touch those cameras everything was automatic you know we used remotes to set them off and um and the last one uh, as pictures were taken i picked up a camera that was on the table and i shot it offhand that camera shot offhand which was four shots was terrible you couldn't tell what it was but the ca- other cameras that were working that were right aside of it took perfect pictures and that's when I made up my mind that, you know, what you see and what you capture is okay as long as you're the one doing it. But when I get photographs sent to me, and I get them all the time. matter of fact, I just got a bunch from Florida. Uh, that took me just a little bit to uh, decipher, but I did get them deciphered. And what somebody did was um, so they took a bunch of pictures of, of creatures, all kind of creatures and they started overlaying them one on top of the other, and then they would blur it out, and they would also overlay it with uh, a similar color. So, in other words, if, if he had a green, black, pink, and a red one there, uh, when he was done, his final color overlay was a, um, a very pale, uh, looked like a very old photograph, would have that kind of brownish tint to it, uh, which also gave the shapes more shapes and sizes and, and crevices and creeks. And when you first looked at it without doing anything, it looked just like uh, uh, um, uh, it was a, an illusion you were looking at of alien faces. okay? And then when I started to take the layers away one at a time, and then I saw the different shapes, connection, and the, and the uh, distortion between the pixels and all that stuff, it pretty much was just, uh, those three photographs were just, started with a bunch of pictures all put together and laid on top of another and laid on top of another and laid on top of another. And so you had the three different photographs, but they all look similar in that they had some type of, um, um, alien, uh, genre to them. And, and we've seen that before, uh, or you get somebody that has an abrasion on their arm and, or, or, or scratches or something like that. and, you know, when you're looking at the picture, you're going like, wow, and, you know, they're saying they were abducted and they woke up scratched and stuff like this, and then uh, I'll blow it up uh, anywhere from 200 to 1,000 to 1,500 percent, and I'm looking at somebody with a bad case of eczema, and then to satisfy my own thoughts, I'll take it to a doctor, and my brother-in-law is one of those, so... Uh, and say, well, what am I looking at here? And you look at it and they're like, you know, case of eczema. You know, you can see the nail marks or the person was scratching. You can see the redness and you can see this and dry skin and all that crap. So um, although CGI and uh, Photoshop uh, are probably responsible for probably 99% of the photographs that hand, are handed out to ufologists and cryptozoologists and the paranormal folks, uh, those things can also be used to unmask them, which they probably never enter their mind when they're doing it. But uh, um, I proved the point one, one night on a radio show, where a guy said to me, he "said Well, how long does it take to make one of these up?" I said, "Well, I'll tell you what. You're going to take your breaks, and they do a five-minute break. And I said, in your five minutes, I'm going to construct something, and I'm going to I'm going to put it on my website, and you look at it, and you tell me what you see." And uh, while we started the commercial, I got on the uh, other computer and um, I took a shot of a, of a little town in Germany, uh, cropped this, blocked that, took this out of the picture. Uh, I took a, um, uh, what I knew was a fake saucer, uh, took that and put it above the town on an angle, kind of discolored it a little bit, uh, put some clouds in the sky, uh, and I posted it. And I said, what do you see? He said, I see a flying saucer over a town. I said, are you sure? He said, yeah. I said, that's what I just made up. And it wasn't even five minutes, maybe three or four. So it's very easy to do, but it's very easy to uncover also. And that's what a lot of these people spend the money to buy these programs. They think, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to fool everybody in the world. And you you get somebody sitting back there. It's got a program that will take that apart in a heartbeat. Uh, I've had people uh, take an airplane and crop out the airplane, take it away, in a dark sky, and all you see is uh, the collision lights. Well, then they change all the collision lights to one color, and what do you have now? Now they're saying they've got a triangle. But when you start unlayering it, and then I'm picking up the landing gear, and I'm picking up the end number on the tail. (laughs) Uh, And then when you get back to them with that, then they go like, uh, you never hear from them again anyway, so.
3: It's just strange. Do you think people are doing that just because they don't believe? Do you think they are doing that because maybe they are disinformation agents or something along those lines? Or do you believe that that it's just something that people do for a hobby to screw with others?
4: I think it's all the above. I think it's all the above. I think you'll have different disinformation agents out there. You have the wannabes. You have the... Uh, uh, people are just trying to make a fool out of somebody. Um, it's all of that. Um, it's unfortunate. Oh, and then of course you have the you know the fifteen minutes of fame, uh, folks. But uh, it's not as much as it used to be. I mean, before Photoshop, in most cases, became affordable. Uh, you know, when Apple came out with um, what's it called, uh, Ghost App. Uh, You could take Ghost App and get a cemetery, uh, take a picture of a cemetery with your iPhone uh, with a a nice bit of ground fog, you know, and a full moon and a really spooky-looking setup, and then go home and take a picture out of your family album of your great-great-great-great-grandfather and put him into that picture, and I want to tell you, it looked like he was there, but... Of course, those things also have their faults. So when you start to take that apart, uh, that CGI has now become two pictures. And then you'll see it's become three pictures and four pictures all put together. And all they're doing is lettering one above the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. And um, somebody said to me one time, oh, don't you put these out and show people what they do? I said, no, I don't put them out and show them what they do. Or they're going to know how I can figure out how the, what they're doing. Why would I tell them how I'm doing that? You know, let them put the stuff to me. And then there's some I get, Dave, that i got to tell you, I've tried my darndest. I've sat here for hours and hours and hours, into the wee hours of the morning, uh, and can't change them. So they are what they are. Now, what is it? I don't know, but it's there. Uh, the one paranormal picture that just, till this day, just makes me scratch my head is... Uh, guy kept seeing something in the doorway, but when he turned his camera on and went around to take a picture of it, it wasn't there anymore. So what he did then was, and I don't know if I told you the story, but he set up a big mirror, and he saw it in the mirror. So he took a picture of the mirror, and it's there, exactly as he described it. He could see it, but the minute he picked up a camera and turned the camera toward it, it wasn't there anymore. But when he shot into the mirror where it was, he could see it plainly, It was there. So that's not trick photography.
3: Gail wants to know, Butch, do you have an end goal? Some point where you will say, there, my work is done?
4: Yep, there is. When I find out the truth. That's all I'm looking for, the truth. Whether it's ufology or cryptozoology or the paranormal, I'm only looking for the truth.
3: That's easy to say, and and funny. the tr- the word truth or truth seeker seems to be all over social media now. And I'll be honest with you, I'm one of the eye rollers when it comes to that man. I'm one of the eye rollers. Okay.
4: But but to you, what is truth? Truth to me is evidence. Evidence is proof. Uh, so if you have, if 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 you say to me. Butch, I got a bigfoot in the area behind my house, and and I need help. And I come up to British Columbia, and I get photographs, and I get footprints, and I get hair, and I get all this stuff. And I look at you, and I go, like, Dave, you have a bigfoot in your backyard. That's proof. That's evidence. That's the truth. Now, if I come all the way up there and I do all that stuff and I don't find anything, or you know, and then I go on a, a show and say, yep, yeah, Dave's got a bigfoot in his backyard." And you know somebody's going to say, what's your proof? So I want to have the proof, I want to have the evidence, and those two things, to me, equal truth. Very understandable,
3: And, and it makes sense. I mean, because you are one of the rare groups who is actually using science in your investigations, unlike a lot of others who claim they are. So when you are out there then and you are seeking this type of truth, are is it proof that the animal exists or whatever it is? Is it is it proof that that there is life after death? If you could break it down
4: for us, I think that'd be great. Yeah, yeah, well, and you know, if look, if if, if it's if it's a Bigfoot sighting and you have hair that can't be uh, DNA uh, is, is not on the books. There's no DNA like that. Um, uh, you get scat, and there's, there's the DNA doesn't match that uh, of any known animal. Or a footprint that's really good, and not just one footprint. You've got a series of footprints, and the stride is uh, much larger. Uh, or the weight, the depth of the foot where it stepped uh, would, would uh, prove a very uh, heavy uh, individual made that. Uh, or, uh, uh, with the paranormal, um, the video um, or surveillance video of things going on in a home where furniture moves across the room, or or a um, uh, there's uh, visions of a face in a mirror, or uh, and there's nobody in the house. This is all being done with cameras, or uh, you know, there's no human contact involved here. Um, uh, in the sky, uh, uh, objects that go from horizon to horizon, zigzagging across the sky, and you have you have them, and then uh, in your video or whatever type of camera you're using at that point, it shows it stop and drop, and then kind of come back up on its own, and then shoot in reverse way up into the stars. I mean, where it just disappears. I mean that's that's sound evidence, um, especially with mammal, with with these Bigfoot and bipedals or whatever. I mean, it'd be great to find a carcass, but that's not going to happen. If it hasn't happened in 50, 70 years, it's not going to happen today. But if you get that the good footprints and you get the hair and you get the DNA and and uh, maybe a maybe a blood sample or urine sample or whatever you find or chew marks, uh, say on a on a dead animal in the woods that are, when you take it to uh, somebody to have it looked at, they say, well, uh, this is one uh, large wolf you have here or you have an alligator because uh, a normal wolf is, say, uh, a bite is four inches and yours is like six or eight inches across and ten inches long, and there is no animal like that. Uh, that's proof. that that Then you're on the right track, and then you can say, well, okay, so now we got this. And, you know, the, the, maybe the bone uh, the bone is uh, broken by through the bite, and they can tell how much pressure, just like they can with a shark. Uh, you know, they can tell how much pressure is exerted on a bite, and they can do the same thing with a bone of a dead animal that's got teeth marks in it. So it's all those oddball things, the more scientific end things, that are probably going to be the answer. Um I don't see anybody going out nailing pork chops on trees. They're going to find anything other than somebody's going to steal the pork chops and have a barbecue. And I, I don't see anybody uh, spreading um, fairy dust or, 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 or powder white powder around in a room and then standing there with a camera taking pictures of all these orbs and uh, dust flying around. So um, it's, Then it comes down to, is it flesh and blood or is it not? Okay. Now, if it's, a, if it's chewing on something, it has to eat, so it's flesh and blood. Uh, if um, uh, the weight of the animal is way more than what it should be, like um, uh, if you'd have a bipedal uh, track, which would be very distinct, um, because the way the legs would be hocked, only for it to walk. Uh, and, you know, your depth gauge is showing that this thing's got to weigh like anywhere from three to 500 pounds. Uh, that's not a deer. So and it's not an elk, even though an elk would probably weigh more than that, or a moose. But the track itself, the track would be totally different. So it's a combination when you're looking uh, for, whether it's a bipedal or or something ghost or or something from the indigenous world um or something in the sky you have to get all the ducks in a row to make them make sense you can't skip something like you know uh especially like one that i saw way back maybe six eight years ago where i watched this thing coming out of the sky very bright very white light and it got closer. It looked like it was slowing down. And I was with a group of people. We were all looking at it. And then it just turned cherry red and shot straight up into the sky. And that's pretty much all my report said, with the exception of I was standing with four or five different people. And then I'm called by an investigator from upstate, one of my guys, who says, uh, who just made this report? And I said, I did. And he said, well, read the next report down. And I read the next report down. It was identical to mine identical the whole it, it, the time because uh, my my time was 604 they their, their time was 603 or 605 and they were close to 80 miles away from where i was standing and they saw exactly the same thing and reported exactly the same thing so we took that eye measurement of uh, an optical measurement of what we saw from stuff in the area And we had uh, uh, guys at a lab do the math on it, and they said the object had to be at least 300 feet in circumference. But when I saw it, (laughs) it looked like it was going to park in the parking lot. But it must have been so far away that those people that were 80 miles from me, north of me, saw the same thing. Uh, So how many other people saw that, but there were only ever two reports filed? Mine and theirs. So it's it's gathering all the information and then making it all fit. I always relate to people when I speak at conferences. It's like a big puzzle, like your mom used to play with on the table on a Saturday night when the old man was out getting loaded or playing cards. And you'd come over and move that one piece, and she'd about half kill you for it. That's what it's like. You you get a bunch of pieces, and then you start to, in that one corner, and you start to build out from there. Sometimes you don't go anywhere, and sometimes and you may get that corner started and start working in, in a really good direction to complete that puzzle. And then it kind of dead ends. And maybe a year or two later, somebody pops up with something or some information that lets you pick up that next piece and start and continue on. And that's the exciting part uh, where I've always said, if, if you're honest with the person that's making the report, that person eventually or from the get-go will be honest with what they're telling you.
3: Let's get to a question from Michael in the SOR Space Travelers Club. He's saying, Butch, have you ever seen any of those slow-moving plasma balls, and what do you think of them?
4: Uh, <laughs> yes, I have, and I investigated a case actually in Oregon, uh, and this it floored me because it was investigated by another group, and who shall remain, remain nameless. Uh, but uh, the guy's story is very simple. He is uh, he's an epileptic, so he doesn't w- work, okay? Uh, he takes a lot of me- medication, which keeps the epilepsy under control, but he does work around the house. So this particular day, uh, to describe the area, he lives at, uh, in a cul-de-sac. Uh, it's about two blocks long, and then you make the turn and come right back out the same way you went in. Uh, home's on either side. Uh, when you come out, it comes to a T-road. And you, uh, if you went straight ahead... You would come to a farm fence, you go over the fence, you're in a field, you go up into the field, about the middle of the field, uh, a few hundred um, uh, yards away, there's a large clump of trees. Uh, he's out cutting grass, and um, he sees this object, which he described as a, a, a large ball, uh, go behind the trees. So he just kept staring at it, and he said, a little while... Uh, He sees a smaller ball come out from behind the trees down toward the ground, comes around, comes across the field, comes up over the fence, comes up the road. It passes within six feet of this guy. He said, I could reach out and touched it. I said, describe it. He says, about the size of an adult-sized beach ball. Clear. He said it looked like uh, a series of lava lamps inside. You know what all the gooey going on inside of a lava lamp? And he said it went over to a manhole cover and sparks started flying from the manhole cover up to this orb. Then it went over and attached itself uh, up against a power pole and again the sparks and everything were carrying on. All the neighborhood dogs were going nuts at this point. There's neighbors out on their front porches looking at it because they're going to see what the dogs are barking about, and it's a very quiet neighborhood. It comes down from the pole, goes back over top of the manhole cover, poof, and it's gone. A few minutes later, the larger orb behind the trees goes up and shoots up into the sky. Now, the investigators come on the scene. They take one picture of the street going up toward the end of the cul-de-sac, And they take one picture from in front of his house to the uh, clump of trees. I said, uh, did they take any samples? Are there any more manhole covers? He went, yeah, there's two going further up the street. I said, did they take a control sample maybe off of those two and take one of the scrapings off the one that it was attached to? No. I said, did they take anything from the pole? He said, no. No. I said, did they ask for your clothing? He said, no. I said, I don't know what to tell you. I said, but I surely would have taken samples, control samples of those two manhole covers and then taken a sample of the one where it was on top of plus the pole and I said, I probably would have bought you a tuxedo but I want your clothes, all of them. He said, as a matter of fact, he said, I'm wearing them right now. He said, at least the shirt. And I said, Uh, were there any side effects after this took place? He said, well, he said, I didn't have any seizures, He said, but I was sick for three days. And I said, sick as in? He said, I couldn't hold anything down. I kept throwing up. And I said, "Uh, did you tell that to the investigators? He says, yeah. And the gentleman that actually sent this gentleman to me to relate the case had the actual copy of that report that was filed by the other investigators. It said nothing of what the man told me. Nothing. And I got a hold of the one investigator and talked to him, and he says, well, we didn't think it was important, but we had to show up. I said, you showed up six weeks after it happened. He said, yeah, well, time is money. And that was the end of the conversation. So if that's the kind of people you have out there investigating this stuff, the, the folks like me that are out there are going to find out a lot sooner than these guys are because they're not doing anything. But that was an interesting case. I mean, and there was another thing. That, there was like a, I forget how many months lapsed between when it happened and when I was called. And, um, uh, we've talked in a couple times since, uh, over the years. And, uh, His story hasn't changed one bit. Matter of fact, he was so um, set aside by what I said about his clothes that all the clothes he was wearing that day he put in a plastic bag and he has them in a cooler in his basement. He said, in case anything goes wrong. I said, okay. But that's the kind of stuff that's out there. I mean, there's really good... There was perfect evidence. I mean, come on, you have this orb, uh, this this sphere that's doing something above a manhole cover and then by a pole you got multi-witnesses you got dog reaction you got somebody gets sick it goes past the guy that's six foot away from it so whatever possibility of getting something on his clothing was pretty much there nobody even suggested taking the clothing and uh so there was a case that was probably a good one that went by the wayside because of somebody's non-due diligence.
3: Do you believe there is an alien connection with cryptids?
4: Um, you know, that could be um, only because of um, reports where Uh, Credible researchers have been following something, like, through the snow and in the middle of a field. And then um, the uh, footprints just disappear in the middle of a field. So what would cause that? I mean... There's no trees, it didn't jump up in a tree, it didn't do this, it didn't do that. Uh, So how do you explain you're following tracks from where it was seen the first time and through a field covered in snow, and you're photographing the tracks, of course, and and taking whatever you got, and then all of a sudden they stop. They're not there anymore, they're just gone. There's no wind, there's no drifting snow or anything like that, they're just gone. Kind of hard to explain. Um, Is there a possibility that um, there may be a portal of some sort or a connection uh, to things not of this earth? Yeah, I guess it's possible. You'd have to prove it, but then again, how would you prove that?
3: And trust me, I can understand that, and that is something that I have a weird fascination with because, I mean, we have heard stories of people who say, you know, when they have been abducted by aliens, they've seen Bigfoot on ships or they've seen spaceships flying around in the sky, shooting their lights down into the trees and then heard the sounds of like big animals crashing through the trees like they're trying to get away. There have been reports about that. I'm sure you've heard them.
4: Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There've been reports of and and video. Uh, I'm not, sorry, video, but uh, sound recordings taken of stuff that um, professionals that you know do that stuff for a living can't identify. They say, oh, it's not a coyote, it's not a wolf, it's not this, it's not that, it's not this. Okay, what is it? I don't know. Never heard it before. Uh, in our research area, where the park ranger tells me that you know he's been there for 12 years, he's heard every animal and that they have in that whole gigantic, massive forest area. He can identify them just by their sound. But there was one time, he said, where he heard this ungodly, uh, angry, screaming, like something was really pissed over by the swamp area. He said, now, I can't go by the swamp area because you're at the bottom of a very large mountain and sound carries, so it could be in any direction it came from, but that's what I heard. And then uh, I said, "Did you ever hear it again?" He said, "No." I said, "Did you do you kind of remember when approximately this happened?" He said, "Oh well, it was uh, November of last year." Uh, I said, "Beginning of the month, end of the month, middle of the month, kind of remember any of that?" He said, "No, nah, it was probably end of the month." He said, "Because I was still cleaning up some of the campground leaves and stuff like that." And I said, "Okay." Now I didn't say that to him, but. Our first report of the bipedal was uh, November twenty uh, first, uh, twenty fourteen, at that location.
3: Do you then buy into the theory that it is plausible that aliens are after our weird creatures, or maybe dropped them off here?
4: Good, sure, why not? You got to keep an open mind. I mean, if if I just believe uh, the 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 storyline that's been out there for eons uh, i would say no to everything like that i can't say no because i don't know uh I, I don't even have an opinion uh is it possible anything is possible i mean nobody thought the atom bomb was possible it happened uh nobody thought uh, it was possible to put a man on the moon it happened or satellites to saturn or wherever can't do it it happened so anything's possible uh, could these be interdimensional beings? Uh, could they be uh, coming through some type of portal? Uh, could there be drop-offs? Who knows? I, I mean, it's just you can't not keep an open mind about it because if you close your mind off to of that stuff, you might miss the whole thing right in the middle. And there could be your answer or something close to an answer anyway.
3: Do you think that... That theory is way too far-fetched for a lot of researchers out there to even comprehend?
4: For the older researchers, yes. For the newer researchers, no. Uh, The older researchers um, have their tried-and-true methods, according to them. And they, uh, look, you could go out and bump into any group that's been out for a long time, and you won't find a decent camera. You won't f- even find a decent pair of binoculars. I mean, equipment is the same equipment they've been using for 30 years, 40 years, and that's the way it is. I talked to a researcher not too long ago. He's been at it for 50 years out in uh, northwestern, uh, northwestern Pennsylvania. northwestern California. He said, you know, he said, we've been doing this now, him and his little group of five people have been doing this for many, many years. He said, who walks through the woods and hammers on woods with sticks and axe handles? I said, well, pretty much everybody. He says, we've never done that ever. He said, we have a sighting area that we've had a number of sightings in. We go there, we sit, and we watch. And we wait. And we record. And we photograph. And I said, are you happy doing that? And he says, yep. I said, so running through the woods throwing donuts and all this other stuff does not interest you in the least. He went, nope, ain't going to do it. He said, if you were chasing me through the woods with a pickaxe, do you think I'd sit there and wait for you? No. He said, I'm going to go hide somewhere or just walk away and let you chase your own tail. So even even in the, the, the groups, well, I, and I don't care what they're doing out there, everybody has their own way of doing things. And the older guys uh, just seem not to change. But the new groups that are coming up, the younger groups, uh, I'm talking about these guys that uh, they're computer savvy. They know how to research stuff. They know how to use the Internet to their advantage. They know what good equipment is. They'll invest in that good equipment. Um, uh, they know how to, and they especially they know how to use it. They, they know how to take, uh, the hell, they, they can take fingerprints. I, you know, these, these guys are uh, the, the younger upcoming. Men and ladies that are doing this is just—I love to see it. I mean, it just—it just amazes me um, uh, that—and I don't know if it's their interest or they're just their curiosity in finding out if they can find the answer, which is good too. But um, it's—it's really cool to watch them work. And I've watched a couple groups like that work, and they're really good at what they do. I mean, they're—they're doing stuff that I'm going like, why didn't I think of that?
3: We only have uh, about a minute or so left until the break. Butch Witkowski is our guest tonight. Butch, do you still have fun doing this?
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah, I live for this crap. <laughs> I mean, if I got a call right now in the middle of the show, I'd probably excuse myself and take off. <laughs> I love it. I, it's just, it's the hunt for the unknown. It's something that I know when I go out there with one of my guys or two of my guys or ten of my guys. Nobody else is doing it. We're doing it. They're not doing it. We're doing it, uh, and uh, we get to sit there and decide what we want to do, how we want to do it. You know, how are we going to set up camera traps? How are we going to uh, look here? What are we going to check there? Uh, I might have one guy in a computer in a truck uh, researching that whole area, pulling up maps, pulling up quadra- uh, quadrants from a topo map, or uh, valleys that we can't see, or lakes, that, or, or rivers, or, 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 or streams that are close by that we don't see. I mean, it's it's exciting, it's fun, and uh, and I I enjoy it immensely. <laughs>
3: and on that note, my friend, we are going to step out for a break here at the top of the hour. Butch Wachowski is our guest tonight on Spaced Out Radio. Strange days happens. The final Monday of every month. You're listening to Spaced Out Radio. I am your host, Dave Scott. We'll be back right after this. Looking for a great weekend getaway this fall? Hi there, this is Dave Scott. Come on up to the heart of British Columbia for the first annual Spaced Out Radio Caribou Paracon, being held at the Spruce Hills Spa and Resort in 108 Mile Ranch, British Columbia. Speakers from all over North America are coming to discuss Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, and intuitiveness for the three-day event September 29th to October 1st. For more information, go to spacedoutradio.com and click on the Caribou Paracon banner and book your tickets today. Come to BC, where the paranormal is waiting for you.
1: The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential, and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines. Your answers are a click away.
2: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, E.T. Experiencer, Spirit Medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers, and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
4: Hi there. I'm Butch Wachowski, lead investigator with E4COP. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days.
2: This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend, two mediums and a large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, Relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com.
6: This is Eric Markham, news editor for the Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top quality paranormal stories. From alien encounters to the latest conspiracies, you won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The encounter online only at spacedoutradio.com.
5: Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird. Me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It is as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com
2: become more intimate and interactive with spaced out radio join our space travelers club with your new membership for five dollars a month we'll provide you with special access to the website monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings along with monthly newsletter private interviews and more sign up today to be part of spaced out radio's
8: experience
7: looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost look no further than spaced out radio SpacedOutRadio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily, weekly, and monthly packages to play on the radio, or our website, including social media, from commercial spots to banners. We have it all. Check out our competitive pricing today.
2: Don't have time to listen to Spaced Out Radio Live? Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today.
8: Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com.
0: And on Facebook, Spaced Out Radio Show. Now back to the program.
3: Welcome back to hour number three of Spaced Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott. Good to have you along for the ride. Thank you so much for being with us. Tomorrow night on the program, we're talking UFOs over Canada. Researcher MJ Banias is going to join us. It's going to be a great show indeed. I hope you all join us starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Thank you so much for tuning us in. We are also live on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noon in Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We appreciate you taking the time to join us as well. We are also celebrating the password of Bill Cardwell tonight because I got it right in the first hour. I'm going to do it again, Bill. Vicambulate. Vicambulate is your password for tonight in the Space Out Radio SOR Space Travelers Club. Use it wisely, Space Travelers, as we have it going on each and every night right here on the mighty SOR. Now, if you want to tune us in on TuneIn, you can do so. You can also find us on RadioGuide.fm, Player.fm, and Stitcher. We're all over social media, on Twitter, at Radio. You can use the hashtag spaced out radio as well if you want to connect with us live during the show. Give our Facebook page a like, spaced out radio show. And of course, our website is spacedoutradio.com where we have a plethora of features for you. Yes, a plethora Of features, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for five bucks a month. You can pick up some SOR swag in our brand new spaced out radio store. And if you have read the encounter online, great. If you haven't, check out our news site put to our put together by our news directors. Everett Themer, and Eric Markham. Strange Days with Butch Wachowski happens the final Monday of every month. Butch's website is uforkop.com. That's r c o p dot com. The next time Butch will be on the show will be June 26th. That's when we will be talking more of the cryptid world. Butch, welcome back. Thank you, sir. What's the best
4: piece of evidence you've ever got? best piece of evidence Um, well a few photographs but the best piece of evidence was uh, some clippings grass clippings uh, from a um, orb that was pretty low to the ground and caused a burn area and we took it to a lab and um, they said it was a What caused the burn was something of extreme heat, extreme heat, because the uh, grass at the top, and it was pretty long grass, four or five inches, uh, the tops were pretty much charcoaled, and the bottoms were, you know, almost down to the root burned. That was probably the best.
3: What do you think caused that?
4: Well, I have to go by what the people said, which was a small orb, um, not much bigger than a soccer ball, Uh, was uh, glowing bright white, Uh, it got close to the ground, like within three feet, and then kind of shook a little bit, shimmied or whatever you want to say, and shot straight up into the sky. Oh, wow. Not very angelic. Mm, No. (laughs) No, I wouldn't think so. But, uh... And it was a very small area. It was only... The the actual burn area was only maybe... 16, 18 inches in circumference, but it was a perfect circle.
3: Gail has a question for you. When you go out into the field, are you armed?
4: Uh, we carry non-lethal weapons. Um... Uh, the same weapons that would be used at a zoo to control an animal that got out of whack um, we can chase off a bear a wolf anything like that it's uh, they're air compressed uh, they're 68 caliber they shoot a riot ball police use them fire departments use them um, so it's uh, it's a non-lethal weapon and we have uh, uh, a rifle and a sidearm pistol
3: Do you ever feel in danger? Have you ever felt in danger?
4: No. Mm-mm.
3: That surprises me, considering you're going into some weird territory.
4: Well, you know what? I I thought about that one time, and I figured, why wasn't I? <laughs> and it probably boils down to your mind is going so fast in so many directions, trying to figure out what you're doing, what you're looking for, what could be, what could not be. Uh, was this possible? Is that possible? Is this the right spot? And is that try to look over there? Or you know, there you got so many things going on that that fear factor really doesn't enter into it. Now, if I come face to face with something, that could change real quick. But um, uh, no, I never felt that. Never felt anything like that.
3: No. Have you ever discussed with other researchers if they have had that fear or felt the need to pull out their firearm?
4: Uh, I talk to researchers that actually go into the field with firearms and um, I mean pretty heavy stuff, 44 magnum pistols 30 out 6 rifles Um, that's their choice Uh, I mean I can scare off a bear with ghost gas or pellets, I mean uh, riot balls just as quick as they could kill it so I'm not out to kill anything I'm only out to look for evidence and the truth so I can prove what I'm looking for um, if they need, if they feel they have the need to drop something and drag it home, you no, know, that's their choice. We've always been uh, of the non-kill mind, uh, no matter what we come across. So,
3: have you ever felt that you have been close to being near one of these creatures?
4: Yes. Uh, Our very first excursion. Uh, Too many strange things happened in a very short period of time that can't be explained. And um, we probably came down to figuring out that even though we didn't see it, it was close by and it was probably watching us.
3: Mm. What's that feeling like for people who have never had that feeling, Butch?
4: Um, you know, it was really all after the fact when we were, um, basically on our way home and discussing, you know, the whole weekend and the weird things that happened. Like, you know, we're in the middle of, um, thousands and thousands of acres of heavily wooded area that have deer, elk, um, uh, mountain lion, wolf, coy, wolf, coyotes, birds of every type. Uh, predator birds uh, predators of all kinds uh, snakes uh, everything that walks or crawls we didn't see anything nor did we hear anything and it was a full moon which was very odd uh, because when I came back that night I really realized how odd it was I live in the country uh, in um, in the middle of Amish country and I'm surrounded by farms and I heard coyotes how- howling when I was unloading my truck so <laughs> to be in that heavily wooded area and not hear anything for that whole weekend, nor could we find anything on thermal imaging devices other than one small baby squirrel in a nest that was the only living creature we saw or and we didn't hear anything uh The fact that we couldn't keep a fire going, even using an accelerant uh, during the day, it was a roaring fire at night uh you know it was pretty much like a every ten minute thing to restart this thing and keep it going um, wind changes. Um, on our weather stations and uh, from north to south and east to west and uh, up on a mountain uh, that's not unusual with thermals but we weren't on Mount Everest which is where the only place that could happen um, the dead silence I mean stone dead silence I mean you could have locked somebody in a tomb and heard more probably We heard no vehicles. We heard nothing flying overhead. We heard no animals of any type, no birds. We we didn't hear a thing. It was just stone quiet. Um, Yeah, it was a weird weekend.
3: Do you like the feeling of being in the unknown like that, doing this? I I realize that you're more of a reactionary team, but do you like being in that environment where you just don't know what's going to happen?
4: Uh, that's a yes and a no. Yes, because I want to know. No, because I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I do like being in that environment because it, it kind of, uh, your mind gets a different mindset. Like, you know, in the daytime, you know, you're doing your thing, you're setting up camp, you're doing this, you're, you're, you're putting that up, you're setting this up and then comes the point where, okay, everything's ready to go. Now you got to sit and wait. And that's when you, at least me, uh, I get more attuned to where I'm at and what I'm listening for. Um, am I going to hear the cameras go off or am I going to see uh, something moving on the FLIR device or something like that? So, uh, yeah, your mindset changes uh, from, you know, your actual work where you're putting everything together, setting up the camp, putting up the tent and all that, uh you know, getting supper started or breakfast or whatever. And then you are are now, it's nightfall, and now you're listening, waiting, watching, hoping that something's going to happen. And uh, in that particular case, it was like we didn't realize that absolutely nothing happened until we were on our way home. And we had only left the area, we were only a few miles away when that kind of hit us. And, like, we realized that the the things that we should have heard, the common stuff like we should have heard uh, animals of any sort. Uh, they got coy wolves that are running in packs. We didn't hear any of that. We didn't hear any coyotes. It's a full moon. I mean, everything should have been moving around. And then I remembered something that the indigenous told me when I was talking to them about it uh, last year or the year before last actually where the guy said it, whenever there's a predator in the area all else falls quiet. Dead quiet. So we didn't see any predator uh, I mean with you know like a bear or anything like that or coy wolves or anything but we did feel and hear that dead silence and which if I go by what they said it could have been sitting at the edge of the tree line just watching us I wouldn't have known it but the animals know it the animals know when there's a predator in the area and uh their job is to be quiet, stay still, and it was quiet and still.
3: Is it usually when the forest goes silent like that? Is when you really have to start watching things.
4: Yes. Yeah, we learned from that first experience that when you don't not like if we would we go someplace we hear everything moving around or something. I think probably there's nothing in the area that they're worried about, but when you get to a spot and it's dead silent, I mean, there's nothing, nothing heard, nothing seen, nothing moving, Um, there's a good chance there's a predator close by. And it could be any type of predator. I'm not saying it's a bipedal canine. It could be anything. It could be a mountain lion. It could be a a pack of coy wolves. Uh, But even with those things, you'd see eye shine, Um, you know, if they were walking through. Um, especially with the floor devices, we'd pick up heat signatures, uh, and we didn't we didn't get nothing. It was just dead silent, cold steel done.
3: Do you believe then, as we talked earlier about the connection between UFOs and cryptids? Do you believe that that there may there may be a tie between haunted land and cryptid sightings?
6: Um
4: yeah. Uh there's just too many stories, too many reports that go way, way back of uh, indigenous areas or or uh areas where there was a a, lo- a great loss of life, uh, where things are not as they should be. And when I say that as they should be, I mean noise or or traffic, uh, with animals or humans or anything else. Um Uh, the dead silence or the um, uh, strange lights uh, in the sky or in the woods or glowing um, objects in the woods that are only seen for a second or two and they're gone. I mean, there's no reason for any light to to be out in the middle of uh, that type of acreage, thousands and thousands of acres, uh, and just disappear. So... Is there something out there that can see you, but you can't see it? Or is it something that's put there that's watching you? Or is it something that is there that is watching you? Um, We don't know that yet, but we're trying our damnedest to find out. So what's your theory? Uh, My theory at this point and it's only a theory, is I'm dealing with, in particular with the bipedal canine, I'm dealing with something that has been out there for a very, very long time, and it's a relic. Um, who knows how long it's been there, but it's been there probably way before, um, you know, I'm going to go back <laughs> centuries and centuries and centuries and it's it's been there and it's always been there and it's going to be there. Now, whether it's uh, a watcher or um, an indigenous guardian uh, or um, something from our sp- space brethren uh, that I don't know, but there is something there that, that I'm sure of that. I mean, to have the amount of people and the amount of reports we got uh, and I mean, we're talking about people they live in, their counties apart hundreds of miles apart that describe exactly the same thing. No different. There's no differentiation in their reports as far as the, what, what it looks like, how it acts, uh, how they felt when they did come in contact with it. Um, and it's just it's there. I just got to figure out how to see it or photograph it or do something that I can prove that it does exist. Now, how long it's been there—that uh, I can't tell. Um, and if it—if it hasn't been uh, located in all these millennial time span, I my only hope is to get it on on some type of uh, technology. Uh, there's no other way. I mean, if it is something that could, you know, walk, you could walk past it in the woods um, or it could blend in that well. I mean, I've been hunting already and walked by a coyote and I never saw it. I was within feet of it. My partner saw it. I didn't see it. he said, you were two foot away from it. Never saw that coyote. So, I don't know. We just keep trying to do the best we can with what we got. And, um... As new technology arises, we try to get it as quick as we can in the field and hope that it helps us out some.
3: A lot of people, as we shift gears here, are saying that 2017 is a year where we have seen a huge increase in UFO sightings and alien abduction. Are you noticing this with the reports that you were getting as well, Butch?
4: Yes. Yeah. Abductions have gone up. In the last two years, um, at least um, 10% each year in the last two to three years. And I checked with a couple of the abduction researchers that that's all they do. And uh, they said the same thing when they looked over their reports. They saw the increase also. Uh, UFO sightings have increased a lot, uh, but, uh, the more the descriptions come through of, like, triangles with collision lights, that's not from any place but here. Um, uh, why would something crossing galaxies need collision lights? That's number one. Um, Number two, even some of the triangle reports are kind of on the weird side because <clears throat> they have. Um, there have been some sightings where it's a triangle, all black, very large, but there's a protrusion coming out the front of it. You know, uh, almost looks like a harpoon. Um, I don't know what that's all about. Um, there's two or three reports of those in eastern Pennsylvania. There are. Um, More uh, reports of um, not so much orbs as uh, objects that are more elongated, um, flat in some cases, Um, squares, boxes, uh, rectangles, uh, the ones that you didn't get normally before a few years ago, and... um, uh, again, uh, as far as uh, how high they're seen, some are high in the sky, some aren't. Some are at that 10,000, 15,000 altitude, so they're very recognizable. And um, then you got the ones that are seen that uh, somebody's watching them through binoculars or whatever, and they'll just disappear. Now, that's not ours. Um nor are the ones that you see up are higher than airplanes. You know, you'll see a jet at 30,000 or 35,000 and then you'll see something above it. That's three times the size. That's not ours. We don't have anything like that. But, um, and then you got the, you got the scams going on. I mean, you can buy drones now, uh, that are in the shape of dragons. (laughs) Uh, you can buy drones that are in the shape of, uh, saucers. And, um, uh, you know, when they're high up 500 feet, thousand feet, you can't hear that little, those little motors are running electric motors. And, um, so you gotta be careful of those, but they're pretty easy to spot, you know, and before they came out, look, it was Japanese, it was Chinese lanterns. That was a big thing. Or it was, uh, balloons with, uh, lights attached to them. So the, the, the oddball stuff, which is, you know, uh, the drones, the use of drones, um, that's something to watch for. But, you know, if you got a decent set of binoculars or you got night vision, you can pick them up right away. But how many people have night vision, you know? Um, so they see something through a pair of binoculars and they're looking at a set of circular lights changing all kind of colors. And then it swoops away or it goes up and disappears and goes the other direction. Uh, but if you're looking through it through infrared, you can see exactly what it is. And and, and that breaks the hoax. But, um, you know, the, the, the hoaxers and the gamesters will keep playing, but there's the technology out there. We can spot them pretty easily now. Uh, just like with the Japanese lanterns and the Chinese lanterns and stuff. I mean, they were pretty easy to spot when you start looking at the right things. And um, technology is kind of catching up to the hoaxers real fast. Not that it's meant to, but it just is. Um, I think that uh, the uptake on... The UFO reports and the abduction reports has some meaning to it, but I don't know what the meaning is yet. Um, the abduction reports, uh, most of them that I've seen that are shared with me uh, are family things where it was, you know, somebody at a young age and, and then their family, you know, their children or their grandchildren or their great-grandchildren went through the same thing. And even though they didn't even know what happened in the very first uh, abduction scenario, they went through their own abduction scenario many years later. And those are pretty credible reports, you know. When um, or somebody finds something in an attic that was written down, you know, long before they were even born, that person is not even alive anymore, and they can relate or they've told that story before. That's a little spooky.
3: do you believe then that people are starting to see a multitude of different ships or is it the same type of shape that they're using because i'm not hearing many triangles right now coming out
4: no right now uh the thing is um the most reports right now are or um orbs uh or elongated uh rectangles that look like a flat box or a square box, or a tubular, Um, every now and then the classic saucer shape pops up every now and then, but um, now triangles have kind of fallen away a little bit where maybe a year or so ago they were like the only thing that was being seen, and now it's just these other things take on, and the stuff isn't low in the sky anymore where you used to see a lot of reports where somebody said, well, it was just two or 3,000 feet off the ground, or it was hovering above that building over there. Now they're real high in the sky, and they're very fast-moving, where that, for a while that was uh, pretty much a telltale sign that it was something. And then that kind of died off, and then everybody started, well, it's very slow-moving, maybe 35-mile-an-hour, about the size of a Volkswagen Beetle or something like that. And uh, now they're saying very high in the sky, very fast moving. You know, from here to there, or, or the um, the flight patterns are uh, way out of whack. Where you know they're zipping along and they'll stop, and they'll drop, or they'll go straight up, or they'll just vanish. So the the sighting reports have changed, and that's just the last two or three years along with the abduction reports, too. They've they've changed also.
3: Where are people having these experiences? Are they happening in big cities, or are they happening in rural areas? Where are we seeing these happen?
4: Uh, Most of the reports of UFOs are in uh, rural areas, um, and I don't mean extreme rural areas like the middle of the Colorado Rockies or something like that. I mean uh, small towns, um, hamlets, uh, farm farming areas, um, very, very, very few reports of anything from like New York City or Philadelphia or San Francisco. As a matter of fact, I can't even think of one that I've seen in the last year or so. Most of this stuff is... Uh, you know, maybe a a highway in Utah or out in Colorado or North Texas or something like that, you know, uh, out in the boondocks, uh, not uninhabited, but, uh, you know, away from the big cities altogether.
3: The people who are experiencing these, do we have a description of what they're like? Are they just normal everyday people or are they previous experiencers?
4: Uh most of them not previous experiencers, a lot of them, uh, just normal everyday folks, mechanics, you know, uh, 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 nothing like doctors, lawyers, Indian chiefs, or anything like that. I mean these are just you know working people coming home from work or out in the parking lot taking a break on the job, uh, construction sites, uh, uh, nothing, you know, really high profile professional type folks. I haven't seen one of those in a long time. Most of the stuff that uh, we see are, you know, a housewife uh, or a family sitting out on the back porch enjoying a barbecue or, you know, that kind of stuff, or uh, somebody on a playground or somebody riding a bike on a trail, uh, that kind of stuff, yeah, but, and um, you know, like nobody sitting in Rockefeller Center, anything like that, um, which is why you don't see flaps, you know when when all these flaps took place, you remember they all took place in very large, um, uh, very highly populated areas like Philadelphia, New York, uh, uh, San Diego, uh, Florida, uh, where there's just tons of people. Uh, and those were the flap areas. But, um, and the definition of a flap is multi-witness um, uh, sighting in an area within 24 hours so um, it's not like you wouldn't call it a flap if somebody, if a group of people saw something on Monday and then a month later they see something in the same area well that's not a flap but if it's seen within a 24 hour period and uh, it's multiple witness and all the descriptions are the same or there's some film or whatever they got uh, that's considered a flap um, I haven't seen a report of a flap in a long long time Matter of fact, probably back to 2008 was the last flap I remember. And that was in the Philadelphia area, Bucks County.
3: Do we know what kind of species people are seeing or having interaction with? Are they able to recall?
4: Uh, Most uh, recall, uh, most of the recalls on abduction, uh, people are describing the small grays or a larger gray or what they, what's commonly known as a, a reptilian type of, of being. Uh, the reptilian type of being in almost all cases is the leader of the pack um, and the others uh, are, you know, like the, the big guy tells the other, tells the tall gray what to do and then he relates it to the little guys who do all the work. Um, and there used to be a lot of reports of multiple beings or entities in a room now it's as little as one or two Uh, those cases where they say there were like five or six people you know five or six entities in a room uh, I haven't seen one of those in a long time either most of these are one or two Um, uh, sometimes uh, where almost always they were seen coming into the property uh, through the wall through a window or, you know, they were in the room, uh, they were lifting the people off the bed, they were doing this, doing that. You don't see those cases anymore either. Now it's uh, like the person um, describes uh, going to bed normally, you know, go brush their teeth, go to the bathroom, shower, whatever, climb in the bed, and next thing you know, uh, they wake up and they're on a craft. Um, and then when all is over... They're either back in bed or they're now on a sofa. They weren't put back where they were taken from, <clears throat> Excuse me. and um, a lot of those types of reports. But uh, the reports where people would see uh, beings coming through a wall or through a window or there was bright lights or this that, and the other thing, that, that's don't see many of those reports at all. Now it's like uh, I fell asleep on a chair and I woke up on the sofa or, or I went to bed and I kind of remember this happening and that happening, and that's all I remember except when I got up, went to the bathroom, my pajamas were on backwards, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, now I don't know if people are just more uh, cognizant of their dreams or um, – because there aren't any, there aren't any TV shows or books out right now on abduction. You know, whenever a movie comes out on abduction, uh, the abduction community gets flooded with those things. And and um, uh, or or there's a book, and uh, whether it's just you know a horror thing or a monster type thing, well, all of a sudden there's always a pickup with abductions. But there haven't been any of those movies for a while, and. I mean, people are just, um, you know, telling it like it is, what they think happened. And there aren't that many researchers out there anymore, or really. I mean, um, MUFON has a sizable amount of folks on their abduction team. Um, I think Doc Jacobs is still at it. Uh, but I don't know of too many others uh, at all. Um you know, Kathleen Martin, Denise Stoner, well, they're with the move-on abduction team, plus they have their own thing they do. And um, then you have uh, Jacobs. That's pretty much it. Um, there's experiencer groups. Uh, there's a, a, a bunch of those, but those are folks that have all experienced something, and you know they have a group where they meet and they talk and they discuss, so they bring somebody in to talk to them. Uh, uh, but they're not investigators or researchers. They're just experiencers. They've had that experience, and they discuss it with other folks that have had that experience, and there's quite a number of those groups. There's a big one in Florida. There's uh, one up in uh, the main Massachusetts area that's very large. Uh, There's one in California. Um, I think those are the three biggest
3: In your opinion, and you've investigated a lot of these, what are the telltale
4: signs of abduction? Telltale? Well, uh, there's a number. There's quite a number of telltale. Um, strange bruises, marks, uh, imprints, uh, black and blue marks in places there shouldn't be, uh, usually in gentle areas. Um uh, with females' breast areas, uh, base and neck. Um, uh, uh, like if you grab somebody, if you grab an elderly person and just really squeeze real tight on them because of the skin thinness in their age, you would leave black and blue marks where your finger's pushed in, uh, those kind of marks. Um uh sickness uh morning sickness uh evening sickness after eating a meal or um, nightmares uh night terrors um, memory lapses um, puncture marks scoop marks uh where there a, a scoop has been a scoop has been a flesh has been taken out of a leg or an arm um, uh, a painful wound uh like you were Pinched, you know, somebody took a pair of pliers and pinched your skin real hard, where you'd have a huge black and blue mark and and a lot of pain. Um, nosebleeds, uh, bleeding in the gums, uh, bleeding from the ears, uh, missing hair. Uh, going to bed with um, a nightgown or pajamas on and waking up buck naked and you can't find your pajamas or your nightgown. Uh, just a lot of weird stuff, but stuff that can't be explained easily. I mean, if you went to bed and you're wearing your best silk pajamas and you wake up in the morning, you're buck naked laying there and you can't find your pajamas, what happened to them? So or or like the the one gentleman went went to bed and, and got up and went to the bathroom and his pajamas were on backwards both the shirt and the pants so he didn't do that by himself at night sleeping
3: or we have the situation where people wake up in other people's pajamas
4: oh yeah that's happened
3: mm-hmm.
4: well there was a uh, uh that case was in um Oh, I just read it not too long. It's an older case, but I, re- I just read it not too long ago. I believe it was in Cleveland, Ohio, where um, <laughs> it's kind of funny when you talk about it. But um, a, a, a guy and his wife went to bed, and um, he woke up in the morning. He was wearing her negligee, and she was wearing his pajamas. Now that'd be pretty distressing. He said because he said I'm six foot two, she's five foot nine. He said, "Can you imagine how hard it was to put this negligee on? I said, that's bizarre.
3: <laughs> Everett has a question for you. He is asking, are daytime sightings and abductions on the rise?
4: Uh, yes. Uh, but again, now those daytime sightings are in pretty remote areas. And when I say remote, I'm going to say like... Um, Uh, the Catskills in New York or um, the mountain ranges in Colorado or Wyoming, Montana, North and South Dakota, you know, the places where there's very few people. Um, And um, some of those are caught by uh, camera crews for news outfits, Um, some amateur photographers, but very few from people that are looking for them. They're kind of, I call them accidental, accidental shots. Where it might be a news crew filming something, and something goes through the background of the film, or uh, you know, guys, um, a photographer's out there shooting a beautiful landscape, and all of a sudden he's got something in the picture that he can't identify. Uh, a lot of those are um, accident photographs, where they weren't shooting for that. They they're not investigators They're not researchers. Uh, they were doing something totally beyond whatever ufology is and they came up with a shot of something that they can't explain. But those are mostly in very remote areas. Uh, Daytime sightings, um, I would say not as much uh, in populated areas. More of those are nighttime sightings, and a lot of those can be identified as planes and crafts and bolides, meteorites, uh, shooting stars, planets, uh, you know, if somebody's never if somebody's never seen Mars in the sky and they're looking at the moon, they see this red dot the side of the moon. They don't know what that is. It's actually Mars. And they say, "Well, it was moving." I said, "Well, no, that wasn't moving. The Earth is moving. Remember, the Earth isn't still. The Earth is rotating. So when you're seeing something disappearing or it looks like it's moving out of the way, that's the that's the Earth. Not that's not something moving. Or Venus, and Venus is another one. Uh, Between Venus and Mars, I'd say they cover probably 30%, 40% of the the sightings that are are taken and photographed. But here's something to keep in mind, that there's one group of people uh, that are out there that have never admitted to or ever seen a UFO, astrologists, astronomers, high-powered scopes. They can count craters on the moon, but they've never seen a UFO. And you won't get one of them to admit that either. I've tried to get information from different groups that do that all the time. And I never get a call back. They don't want to talk about it. So what are they seeing? And what happens if they do say they saw it? What do they get like? they got to give up their telescope and go home or What? They get spanked? That's just stupid. You know they're seeing something. They have to. But they're dead silent. Nothing nothing at all out of that group. Ever.
3: What do you get with the whole hybrid program that people are talking a lot about these days? It seems like the hybridization of humans and aliens the last couple of months has really picked up steam again.
4: I don't know why that is. There's absolutely no proof of that. Um, there's never been any logical report ever written on on hybrids. Um, there are many books on hybrids. There are many movies on hybrids. Um, what was that movie that uh, a television show that was on years ago called X? Uh, Where they were, they looked just like us. They acted like us, but they were lizards underneath, uh, reptilian type creatures, and then they had offspring that were 50/50 or whatever. Um, It's very hard for me to put that in my head together because I don't know what it would take genetically to do that, but I'm assuming it wouldn't be easy. And could a race like that have that knowledge? Yeah, I guess they could. But you would think that if there are that many, as people say, running all over the place, that one of them would be discovered sooner or later, either if they cut their finger or uh, or they were killed in a traffic accident or at war or anything like that. I mean, nobody's ever produced one, so... I don't know, maybe it tends to lean more toward fantasy and, you know, exciting fantasy. That's exciting to think that there may be hybrid people out there. And then people that look strange, that's another thing that bothers me. You know, somebody has some kind of condition uh, where, you know, their head is misshapen or um, their limbs are longer or whatever, and they classify them as a hybrid. Kind of weird, but... You know the Zika babies when they first when the Zika babies were first being born when that started the Zika virus, these children who have this very dominant looking features um, didn't take but a week till they were classified as some type of government hybrid. I guess what I'm saying is I don't buy it. <laughs>
3: I don't know if I buy it or not, but I don't think that they're running around as much as everybody says they are. You know, I mean, it reminds me of, you know, a few months ago, it was the Mandela effect. Before that, it was demons. And there always seems to be something popular popping up in this field of investigation. You know what I'm saying?
4: Well, Yeah, because they don't have an answer. So, look, it's a whole lot easier to just throw something out there and um, let it fly, so to speak, uh, than it is to amass evidence to prove what you just said. And um, uh, it, it's, you know, it's and especially, and I'm not saying all the book writers. Some, some of the book writers really do a nice job, but there are book writers out there that the more fantastic they can uh, theories they can come up with and push forward in their book the more books they're going to sell that's a given but uh, then when they get cornered on what they wrote then it's a whole different story like well that's not exactly what I meant this is what I meant well no that's what, not what you said and that's not what you printed this is what you said and this is what you printed so what's your proof And uh, but look there's a certain amount of people that will believe anything they're told um, there's Martians. There's reptile, reptilians living in the Earth. There's Hollow Earth theory. There's uh, Nazi bases under the Arctic, uh, and on and on and on. And they really don't offer any proof. Oh, they may show you a picture of this or a picture of that, but you know you're looking at a picture of the Arctic, and somebody drew a circle around a patch of that snow-covered, ice-covered area, and they say, right there is the Nazi base. No, right there is a patch of ice with snow on it. That's what I see. Now, if there was a base there and buildings and roadways and stuff like that, that's a different story. I mean, for years, people said, you know, the dark side of the moon was inhabited by uh, um, uh, Nazis from World War II Germany. Uh, then the Japanese took a satellite around the moon and they didn't find nothing Um, the famous photograph of the crashed quote unquote alien vehicle on the moon Uh, when it was really deciphered and all the garbage was taken out of it it turned out to be a a rock formation that was it but up until just a couple years ago that picture was very famous as being uh, an absolute alien spacecraft that crashed on the moon it's everybody's belief system, I guess, is the only thing I can come up with,
3: and I understand everybody is going to have their own beliefs, but at what point, as we all seek you know credibility, does this not
4: does this not harm us? Oh yeah, it does, sure. And it harms every investigator out there, every researcher out there. I mean, you know, uh, there's a guy in um, Puerto Rico who uh, is not uh, uh, involved in ufology uh, at all. But he has a theory that he's been working on now for a number of years on animal mutilations and how they take place and why. And, um, he doesn't have a damn thing to do with UFOs, uh, but he's looking at certain things that are identical in every case that he's followed in our country, in your country and out of the country. And, uh, you know, he says, he sent me some of his stuff and I looked it over and he said, do I think it's possible? I said, I'm no scientist. I said, but what you're saying does make sense. Uh, they say the cattle mutilations, they want food or they want this or they want that. He says, well, he said, what I've seen is the things that are taken are very high in this certain protein. And um, it's the same in every case, pretty much. And he's, thinking, he's working on the protein angle. So what is that protein when it's broken down? What can that do for anything? Uh, an animal uh, another human being or a or a human like being what would that what benefit would that protein be to them and uh, he 's still at it he 's been at it quite a while so there are people looking uh, for an answer in ways that aren 't the norm you know the binocular uh, barbecue in the backyard type thing um, and I always tell people, I said, look, you know, it's nobody's telling you, and neither am I, telling anybody to change their beliefs on what they are or what they could be or what they aren't. Uh, and that's cryptozoology, paranormal. Uh, is it possible that people, uh, when they pass on, uh, are not at rest? They need to stay around or for whatever reason? Um, yeah, it's possible, I guess. Um Are there things in the woods and in dark, deep places in this country, in this world that we don't know about? Yeah, that's possible. I mean, um, could it be man-made? Could it be caused by men? Yeah, it could be. Uh, Look at the Dyatlov case. Uh, The the terminology that ends that case is uh, an unknown compelling force killed those hikers. Well, what the hell is an unknown compelling force? I could hit you in the head with a hammer. That's a compelling force. But an unknown compelling force, what does that mean? So were these hikers uh, caught up in something that was a military experiment maybe? Or was it something out of Earth uh, our space brethren pulled off? Or um, something that has to do with the the, the land itself, the mountain, uh, Mount Orton? Uh, there's just so many things that we don't know um, and there's so many places that we haven't been and, uh, I often, the, the, the movie and, um, the abyss, okay, uh, always struck me as being, uh, kind of, it could be, uh, where in the deep oceans of this world, uh, could there be, um, some type of uh, beings living. Well, yeah, because we haven't. What was what it? Ten percent of the ocean floors that we've got actually mapped or been to. Yeah, um, <laughs> Milo just said it on the chat. <laughs> no, I saw it. Uh, deep in the oceans. Yeah, we don't know, Milo. Uh, the um, uh, there's areas. Uh, there's areas in the United States that no white man has ever, or a human that they can think of, has ever stepped foot in. You know, um, the Selway Selway Wilderness Area up in uh, Montana. Uh, There's places there that nobody's ever been to, no white man or Indian probably. Uh, Remote areas that have just never been walked on or looked at or investigated or charted or anything else. It's a big world. I mean, how how do you explain when uh, a whole village disappears overnight? You know? Um, the the men of the village go to work in the morning uh, they come back and the, the supper's on the stove and every man, woman, child chicken, ox uh, gone there's nobody there and they're never seen again so where'd they go? or who took them? or what happened? there's so many mysteries and I mean you know my little brain will never wrap my head around all of them, but when you sit and you think about how many mysteries are, are out there, and um, you have all these places that have never been explored, um, the Himalayas, uh, they figure like 2% of the Himalayas have only ever been mapped by air. They've never been mapped by ground. So they don't even know if some of these valleys are there or not. They're covered with snow. And what's under the snow? Are there other civilizations that were here before us uh, that lived in all these areas? Yeah, it's possible. We don't know. And, you know, exploration takes a lot of money. And, um, unfortunately, I don't have it.
3: (laughs) I know that feeling. We have about two minutes left with you, Butch. Real tight, two minutes. I want to get Pandora's question in here. Do you believe, then, Butch, these stories that you were told, or are you just saying the stories only come out when there's a movie or a documentary?
4: No, I believe the stories when they're told, uh, on, on, until they're proven otherwise. But if, if it would be so much easier if every story you told, you could just look somebody and say, like, okay, thank you, goodbye. I mean, that makes it real easy for a researcher and investigator but you have to take every report separately and as fact, and it's up to you as the investigator to determine whether it's true or not. And um, and besides that, I wouldn't want to embarrass somebody by saying something stupid like that anyway. Um, if, you know, if people are good enough to give me the information, I'm going to be good enough to research it and investigate it for them. And whatever I come up with, I come up with. If it's, it's a hoax, it's a hoax. It's, if it's a good deal, it's a good deal. Um And we just take it from there. And that's the only way you can move forward.
3: I hear you there, my friend. It's time for us to start to wrap this thing up. Butch, where can people get in touch with you?
4: Uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, our website at Um, u4cop.com. If they need to contact me, they can go to the website or, or Facebook instant message me uh we have three pages pages on uh, Facebook we have uh, my personal page Butch Witkowski then there's uh, uh the 4 cop page and then there's JAR Magazine which is the Journal for Abduction Research uh any one of those they can IM me on and uh or uh, my email uh they can get that if they go to the website go to contacts they can fill out an email type form and that comes right to me and I check my email religiously so um uh, if they need a phone call or they got something going, they can get a hold of me, and I'm ready to rock. Right
3: on. And, of course, you will be back on Spaced Out Radio on June 26th. Hard to believe another month has gone by, my friend. <laughs> yeah, it goes by fast, doesn't it? Absolutely. You hold on a second here. i got to wrap things up. If you're listening in on the terrestrial radio side, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot-Thall rocking in the background bumblefoot is the official music of spaced out radio he rocks us in and takes us home every single night right here on the mighty sor we want to welcome and say thank you to everyone at wqee 99 rock the key for letting us be part of your night same as on the united public radio network revolution radio ktlk and so much more we're having a lot of fun here. Remember, go to our website, spaceoutradio.com, where you can find a number of features. A number. Instead of saying plethora, I said a number of features. Our brand-new store where you can get yourself a T-shirt, join the SOR Space Travelers Club, read the Enquirer. As well, I want to thank my team, Lana Scott, personal assistant, Everett Themer, and Eric Markham from The Encounter Online, Jolene Lammers, web design, Catherine James on social media, Bob Davis, our great intro voice, Kim Gandy, director of business management, and Thomas McGowan in sales. Good to have you all with us. Thank you so much. Remember, friends, tell a friend, because we own the night together. Mr. Bumblefoot? take us
4: home.